Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Sends one high and deep to left field. Sending Donovan back at the wall. Good home run! Turns a two-run deficit into an Astros lead. It's 8-5. to five. Smokes this ball deep to center field. All the way back. And that one's gone! Jose Abreu with a home run to right center. This has become a five-run inning as the Astros take a 10-7 lead. Let's get nasty on a Thursday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. 202, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I was listening throughout the course of the day today right here on 101 ESPN from the opening drive. And boy, they've got a lot of stuff coming to them pretty soon here because they were talking some absolute smack on us. That's going to be a bloodbath at some point. Can't wait. But I was listening to them, Bloom Party, BK and Ferrario. Nice job, by the way, to Tanner and Alex for their draft coverage last night. We've got a lot of draft coverage coming up throughout the course of the fast lane today. But one of the themes I felt while listening to all the uh, guys and gals throughout the course of the day today, Jamie, is the, the, the blame game. You lose a game like that, a game in which you scored plenty of runs, you had plenty of offense, mm. it's the blame game. So, I'm going to ask you, Jamie, after I read these these numbers off to you. Miles Michaelis, five and two-thirds, seven hits, five runs allowed, five earned runs, three walks, four Ks. Gallegos doesn't get through a full inning, allows four hits, five runs, all of them earned. You heard one of the home runs, I believe, from the Astros TV network, or two home runs, both of them, that he allowed. One walk, no Ks. Marmol, big topic of conversation today as well, Ali Marmol. Stuck with Gallegos. Which one of these blankers do you blame the most for that last night's tragedy? I I blame the bullpen, quite honestly, because even when Miles Michaelis left the game, you were in the lead. He left you a bit of a crap sandwich, but you were in the lead. Enough said. I think it was 6 5 at the time. Anthony, you put up seven runs. Mm hmm. And you were in the latter part of the game and you couldn't hang on for the victory. That's problematic for me. And I don't care who Ollie Marmol went with last night. The sequence, the this, that. He went with the sequence that had been winning him games recently with Geo setting up for Jordan Hicks to come in and close it. Geo throwing underhand is not Ollie's fault. It's, it's not. And Geo giving up two home runs, and I know John Denton asked. You know, Ali Marmel about like, you know, if you knew the second one was going to come, would you put, would you have taken him out? Well, no, no guff. No. Of course I would have taken him out if I knew the second home run was coming. Mm-hmm. And I know he's done that three times this year, but Gio couldn't get the job done. Would I have maybe made a mountain visit? Talk to him? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if you can question Ali Marmel on his decisions yesterday. I just don't. I didn't particularly like his tone in the post-gamer. And you can tell that frustration is setting in for Ollie with the season and with the media kind of clapping back a little bit. Didn't appreciate his tone of voice and some of those things and the way he was kind of phrasing certain 
aspects of what had happened. But what what's he supposed to do there? Leave Stratton in? Some people feel that way. Okay, fine. But then what if it blows up? Then you should have went to Gallegos. That's right. That's how it works at with the, the bullpen. The, but at the end of the day, Anthony, it should be a situation where the players just do their job. They've got 16 blown saves. Mm-hmm. That's all, 17 all of last season. Hey, we, we're not even at the All-Star break yet. That's what I'm saying. So what the hell is Ollie supposed to do? Is he supposed to pull a reliever out of his ass and be like, this guy's going to be throwing lightning bolts? This is the answer to all of our problems? Yeah. On any given night, it's one reliever or another or a starting pitcher that is screwing this up because your offense put up seven runs again. Hey, Marsh. Did do- they leave guys on base? Yes. yes Were the bases loaded? Yes. yes. Two, three, four hitters up. Uh, yes. That goes in the pile. But as you as you mentioned, Jamie, the offense the offense was was great last night. Did more than enough. Do we have the cut from Ali Marmel? I'll give you a second to find it. When he's talking about cycling through relievers, giving guys opportunities. If you can find that, that'd be great. But, Jamie, your point, I and, and hopefully we have a chance to, you can hear this for yourself, but when Ali Marmel was talking, and we will get to him because he was pissy last night, but when he said this specific quote about, you know, you give guys opportunities, he's right. All he could do is is go with the guys that's on his roster. And yes, he could have stuck with Stratton. Stratton said his he's had his ups and downs as well. Gallegos was pretty good going in. We remember, of course, the times that he he blew up, of course, because that that sticks in our mind. There were there were plenty of times where Gallegos got the ball and he, he and he pitched well. But bullpen decision making, this is what happens. If it works out. They did their jobs. If it didn't work out, the manager didn't do his job. It doesn't work that way. He made a decision, he being Ali Marmel, he made the decision to to stick with Gallegos. It backfired in a horrific way. But these are the players that are on his roster right now. And I thought that listening to him last night, it was almost a situation of, yeah, it's an execution thing. I'm going to give the ball to the guy that I think is going to do the job that night. If he doesn't do the job that night, I may have to reevaluate things. And he has. He's given guys opportunities. Gallegos has had his blow-ups. Ryan Helsley has had his blow-ups. Jordan Hicks has been the only steady presence. You're trying to get to Jordan well, Hicks Well, he last had some night. hiccups to start the season, though, too. He certainly did. So but how many blown saves now, Jamie? What would you say? 16. All right, so this is, this is the comment that Marmel made that I'm referring to. Yeah, if you look at... Hicks being in the nine and him being in the eighth. It's last several outings, four or five outings. He's been really good for us, so he's got the eighth inning. Yeah. How hard has it been to get your bullpen firing all at once? They haven't, and that's that's part of it. I mean, you look at it, we've blown a lot of leads after the seventh, and uh, you give different people an opportunity at it, and it, it just hasn't gone well. So you score seven, you have to win a ball game. Bottom line. There's a lot of Cardinals fans. And in the media, Jamie, you and I are in this group that want Ali that have that have wanted Ali Marmel to be more direct. I don't know how you could be more direct than last night. He's piggybacking off the off the question about his bullpen, about the bullpen. You know, it's uh, it's uh, it's a difficult. Uh, yeah, they haven't gotten the job done. When you score seven runs, you should win. He's absolutely right. You should win every single time you score seven runs, Anthony. 
And how many times have they scored seven or more? And they've they've lost. I'm sure. That, I'm sure they still have a winning record in those in those moments. But this is the this is the issue. But again, you shouldn't lose any game where you put up You're seven right. runs. And you lost one last night. Lost one on opening day. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say the home opener. You lost that one. It's not just a bullpen problem either. Miles Michaelis didn't pitch well last night. He hasn't pitched well throughout the month of June. What about the last start? Yeah, he had one good. He's had one good start in the month of June. Five and two thirds. He put he puts his he puts his team in a hole right out of the gates. They're down 3-0. They get the damn they, they they battle back, they get the lead. They give him a little cushion, he gives it right back. My Michaelis didn't pitch well either. You've got a major pitching problem. It's not just one thing. Yeah, you it is actually, Anthony. It is one thing. It's the, it's the Cardinals. No, it's pitching. That's okay. it. You, you put up seven runs. Your offense, if you look league-wide, statistically, runs scored, all that, pick your category. Mm-hmm. Your offense is fine. Your offense should be winning you more games than you're winning currently. Why are they not? Pitching. Pitching. All aspects of the pitching. On a given day, like last night, it happened to be both, the starter and part of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Now, Palante was given a crap sandwich, then he... He yeah. added crap to it, but then he got, then him, he got, he got out himself of out of it. Right. So kudos to him. Stratton did a great job as well. So I, I don't know what to say, but the umbrella of pitching is your problem Absolutely. right now. If you're a Cardinals fan, that's one thing you're circling. Moe's done a piss poor job with the pitchers. He's done, yes. He's done, he's done, he's done so a horrific what's your job. solution, though? Because you know my solution. Well, no, but Nobody likes it. Listen to me for a second. When it comes to the bullpen specifically, Gallegos has been very good at times. Mm-hmm. Cabrera has been very good at times. Palante very good at times. Hicks is very good right now, but a couple of months ago, you people were talking about DFAing this guy because he really was almost unusable. Yeah. Helsley's ha- been really good at times. So how do you fix that? Though? You're never going to find a bullpen arm that's perfect. Right. So, so how do you fix it? So your point, you know how to fix it. I know what you're saying as far as starting pitching is concerned. Sure. But when you get to the bullpen, you need guys that can be consistent. And it's in waves with the bullpen. And I'm sure that's what people are going to text in and say, well, that's baseball. That's it how, is. That's it, how the baseball works. They, they're right. Bullpen bullpens around baseball are volatile. They are. I, I'm, they, I'm not they disagreeing. Go up up. But, Jamie, my so my question to you is, because it's a it, – I jumped the gun talking about starting pitching, right? I have my thoughts on how you could add starting pitching. Cardinals aren't going to do it. Some people don't like it. But I'll save I'll save that. People regular listeners know what I, what I would do when it comes to adding starting pitching to this to this team. Yep. To your question about the bullpen. Who the hell's on the Memphis shuttle? Your bullpen, you should have a constant strength. Okay, well, that's a problem, too. <laughs> I, I totally agree. You don't have pitching within this organization. I blame the starters. Outside of Tink Hens, who's in A-ball. But I blame the starters, Anthony. We get a text here from the 270. The bullpen is overused. Yeah, because Agreed. your rotation has been Well, that goes sparse. back to our, our main point, which is pitching. You can't get past the fifth inning. Then your bullpen's going to get taxed. Right. Can they even send people back and forth with how much service time they have? Because well, that was an issue with Jordan Hicks earlier in the year. That's a problem, too. Yeah, you're right. Gallegos, I'm sure, is... I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to start... There you go. I'm not going to start talking about the the options that are left. I, I can pull that, all, pull that up. All I know is you've had a lot of the same relievers, unless somebody's been hurt. 
The Memphis shuttle's not going back and forth. Who's right your now. Memphis shuttle? Is it JoJo Romero? Is that your guy? Like, I, I like him, fine, but he he's he's also where proven the hell, where the that hell he blows is Zach, up. Where the hell is Zach Thompson? He's, they're lengthening him out. Oh, he, he still has not been him good, out. though. And that project uh, he has, has not, not been good. No, okay, he, so he was. You're right. He was he he was very good as a reliever. They send him down to stretch him out. He's been toilet water, and now what? So now what's the plan? I, uh, I don't know. Good luck, Anthony, Ollie. Here's the plan. I can tell you right now what they're thinking, and you know this. Zach Thompson's going to be in the rotation next year. Why? Because they have to freaking put him there. They have nobody else. Right. So they're stuck in a pickle here right now to where if they shorten him up again, turn him into a reliever, they're back to where they started. Mm-hmm. So him being toilet water this year, they're like, I can guarantee Moe's like, I don't really care. I don't care. Because yep. that guy's going to be on our rotation next year. Well, then fine. Start thinking about next year. All the way through. Couldn't don't don't stop there. I couldn't agree more. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. All right, let's do some happy talk. Blues draft a bunch of players who played for Sweden. We got Team Sweden last night. Jamie. Team Ikea. <laughs> Jamie with his thoughts next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Doug Armstrong and the Blues, in my opinion, have to focus on center iceman and defenseman. Probably reverse order. Defenseman, then center iceman. The problem with that is it's a pretty, I don't say weak, it's a thin draft for defensemen. The high-end guys are high-end, and then there's a drop-off. So you're probably not getting a top-four type defenseman to the latter part of the first round or even the second round on in the NHL. You get a guy in the NHL caliber player, but it's not a deep draft for defensemen. Center Ice have got quite a few options, and I think that that's how you're going to have to rebuild this team. St. Louis Blues are pleased to select Dilibor Dvorsky, AIK, Sweden. Well, there you go. Jamie Rivers absolutely nailing the draft coverage from last night. I mean, Jamie, that's kind of how things broke for the for the Blues last night. Now, you had mentioned the defenseman that you wanted. He wound up, he wound up going to fifth overall to Montreal. Montreal so. Damn it. When I, I, I saw, I was like, son of a... I, he kept sliding just a little bit, and I was like, bring that you-know-what to well, me. as soon as Arizona did what they did with the number two... Or Anaheim. The number, uh, yeah, Anaheim. Yeah, that's an odd one. So they they I, kind of <laughs> set things set things in motion where you're like, wow, what? You know what, though? What's, what's curious about that is Pat Verbeek played for the Red Wings with Steve Eiserman, and then he worked alongside Steve Eiserman. And the Red Wings, historically, have had an incredible scouting presence in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Think of all the incredible Swedish players that have gone through the Red Wings organization. Sure. Okay? So Pat Verbeek has access to a lot of these scouts, too. So I'm sitting here, and I was like, as crazy as it is that Fantilli didn't go number two, I'm like, what What do they see? Mm. What, what do they know? Because, like, is this guy the next... Zetterberg. Like, that's how it happens, right? And it wasn't a stretch. He was rated, like, in the top five anyways. Yeah. Um, but still, a curious pick. Um, but you know what? The Blues, it kind of set up exactly the way I thought. Once once the defenseman, David Reinbacher, got picked by the Montreal Canadiens, I, I said— f- You knew it was going to be a I forward. said the pivot's the center immediately. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I did not know it was going to be Dilibor Dvorsky, but it was. And so here, it's, what's interesting is— 
the the Blues uh, Blue Note Productions takes you behind the scenes mm-hmm. as their scouts are talking, and they have a couple of guys that they have like on video and that. But here's what the Blues front office had to say about Dvorsky. It starts with big big Walt Keith Kachuk. I like this kid. Plays a heavy game. Just the, the strength level it's on pucks. You can't can't teach that. It's a will. Overall, uh, creates a lot of accurate passes. Gets on the forecheck to recover dump ins. Creates hits. Well, he was a guy that a lot of guys said, "Who's the best guy he played against? Hardest guy?" His name came up quite a bit at the combine. Yeah. So his peers, his peers recognize he's a good player. So that was inside the Blues, like front office scouting slash draft meeting. It's cool, how they do that. It is cool, and it, that's exactly how it works. You go around the table, uh, and guys give their general opinion, and then the pros and the cons and what they like. And, and you heard Army that his peers also recognize him. So the other players and people that he plays against and with recognizes how good he is as a player. So he was a, a great pickup. They follow up again at number 25 with Stenberg, another center iceman. And then they end up with Theo Lindstein, or Lindstein rather, as a defenseman. Now, Lindstein's more of a project. Did a little background on, on him last night, and he's yet to really hit his stride. This is going to be a development guy. So he had, his top end is to be a top four defenseman. Um, but he definitely projects to be a top six defenseman in the NHL, but he's got work to do. He's a big guy, skates pretty well. Offensive instincts aren't quite there yet, doesn't produce a lot of offense, but maybe that's not what Army's looking for. Maybe Army's tired of some of the all-offense. Maybe he wants some of the stay-at-home, shutdown type guy. Well, Theo Lindstein has the capabilities of that. What was interesting is we debated leading up to the draft, like, Army's not going to go up to the podium three times. And yesterday, man, maybe he will go up to the podium three times. And then, well, I don't know if you really want to use all three picks in the draft because, yeah, should have tied that to a player and got an NHL roster player. Here's what the crew from Sportsnet had to say about yesterday's draft overall. And I think you'll like what you hear. Uh, It's a happy day to be a St. Louis Blues fan, in my opinion. I mean, they just drafted... Three elite players, Galvor Dvorsky, Otto Stenberg, uh, Theo Linsky. I mean, this is a this is a coup. I'm not gonna I can't discount it, guys. This is why uh, general managers make decisions to trade out a season sometimes, acquire draft capital, but it's what you do with it at the end of the day. I know there's a couple years out still before this starts to, you know, become reality, these guys at the NHL level, but what a flying start. I love what St. Louis did today. You can't I mean you can't get better than that. They won- that that fire you up. I mean, <laughs> you won the day. Absolutely, Army won the day. So, within 48 hours, Doug Armstrong made a trade to get a current NHL player that's going to play in his top nine, his middle six, as he calls it. Mm-hmm. So, second or third line. Uh, by the way, you got him at half price. You gave up nothing, a seventh rounder for this player, or a sixth rounder rather, for that player, and now. He just picked up three great young players in the draft that everyone's tipping their hat to him, saying, man, what a day to be a St. Louis Blues fan. Perfect. And there were two more centermen and a defenseman. Overall, out of the nine picks that the Blues had, there were seven picks that were used on center icemen and defensemen. Four defensemen, three center icemen. You can tell where Army's headed here with the future. Mm -hmm. And all of these guys have a different timeline, in my opinion, as to when they can maybe impact the lineup, which is good. It's what you want. You don't want everybody to hit at once. Be nice. It'd be, I mean, it's not realistic, but yeah. it'd be nice. But you still like to have some development year in and year out because you do have guys currently that are about to make those first steps into the lineup. 
So then the next wave, and that's how you keep the team going. That's how you keep the window open for a team to be a playoff contender. Never mind Stanley Cup. Just get in the playoffs and make your mark that way. So overall, I thought it was a really good draft by the Blues. Uh, very cagey 48 hours for Doug Armstrong. So hats off to him. Doing a fantastic job. Jamie, you would know better than I would, and every draft has its has its own identity. But I refer to this a lot in the NFL draft. Are you falling back on pass rushers, offensive linemen? Certainly quarter, quarterbacks are, are its own animal. But are, are you falling back on impact positions, or are you going with wide receivers and running backs every time? If I feel like if you're drafting centers and defensemen, not that all, not that they're all going to hit, not that they're all going to stay at center. Maybe some of these guys go to wing. But Jamie, I feel like if you're drafting those positions specifically, you're you're honing in on key key positions, impactful positions. It's like drafting pass rushers and pass protectors, pass protectors in the NFL. So here's what you're looking at. Doug Armstrong, what was the Blues' biggest weakness last year? In play, your opinion, play. I mean, de- defense, power play, uh, not owning the front of the net. Okay, so two out of the three things you just mentioned comes down to defensemen and center icemen. If you're big and strong and good up the middle of the ice, and you've got a good blue line, you're the Vegas Golden Knights. That's what they were. Mm-hmm. Their center icemen were good 200-foot players, and their defensemen, we've talked about you know, ad nauseum about how good that defensive core was. Without having, apart from Alex Petrangelo, you didn't have a bunch of superstars. You had a bunch of guys who were in and around the same ability that shut down the middle of the ice, took away the front of the net, and made it almost impossible for you to gain anywhere that was a good scoring opportunity. This draft, for me, for Army, never mind the rest of the league, because you get into the weeds that way. Sure. But for Doug Armstrong, this was a very focused draft on how to get back to being that stingy, defensive, tough St. Louis Blues team that before the Cup even happened, that's what they trended with. Ken Hitchcock started that wave, and then they hand it all off to Craig Berube, and the perfect storm happened. That's what Army's trying to do with this draft is get back to being big down the middle and big on defense. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Plenty more to come on the Blues as we uh, talk the next couple of hours. But we're going to get back into the Cardinals. Ollie Marmel, his reaction last night in the postgame, that certainly was um, one one a great look for Ollie Marmel, but you can see why he's exasperated. We'll give you our thoughts on that next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
So following last night's 10-7 loss to the Astros, Ali Marmel, of course, went to the post-game uh, media session and... I mean, he's frustrated. He should be frustrated. You, you, nobody wants to... No Cardinals fan wants him to go there and have him say, well, we're close, or, oh, we just need to keep... Up. He was he was frustrated. He showed, he showed his frustration. And he he called out the, the bullpen for not executing. And he also talked about how you, you get seven runs, you should win the game. But a lot of people are talking today about why he didn't stick with Chris Stratton. Here's his response to that. Run me what was what was odd about it. Just to Polante comes in and face the righties with two outs as opposed to maybe Stratton in that spot, for instance, right there forward. Yeah, Stratton's arsenal pitches there against uh, both uh, Altuve and Bregman um, are my favorite. Uh, both of those guys have a good chance of getting him in the air and going a long ways. I'd rather keep him in the ballpark with Polante. If you look at Altuve, he's two for two with the 2,500 against him. If you look at Bregman, I think he's three for four against Stratton. I'd rather keep him on the ground with Polante. And if he can't get those two, he's got Tucker, who I feel pretty confident he can get. So, no, I wasn't short any guys. Uh, Jamie, I, I the, while the decision didn't work out, he's going to make decisions every single night. We never talk about the ones that do work out. We only focus on the ones that don't. But to me, the post game is all about what was your thought process throughout. And he to- he told you, mm-hmm. we can be ticked off at Ali Marmel. We we you know people can want him to be fired and all that. That's fine. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk anybody out of their thought process on it. I'm talking about for me. I think that when a manager sits down in a post game conference press conference, he's asked about his decision making. Within reason, if he gives you that thought process, and I thought Ali did, I'm cool with it. It doesn't mean that that it was the right decision. It doesn't mean you don't have to be ticked off about it. But he talked about Chris Stratton's stuff versus the hitters that he may have faced. Okay, I get it. Again, it didn't work out, but I get it. Here's the question, and this is John Denton of MLB.com. Here's the question where Ali gets a little pissy. <laughs> Did you consider going and getting Geo after the home run so that maybe the second one didn't come? Was there a consideration to pull him there before the second home run? <laughs> um, yeah, if you would have told me the second home run was coming, I, I definitely would have taken him out. It's happened three times this year now. And how many times has it not happened? I mean, let's. Yeah, we can bring Cabby in for Tucker there. Tucker's been uh, much better against left-handers this year. He's got over 1,000 OPS. He's got a six and change against righties. And uh, if Cabby doesn't get Tucker, do you like the Abreu bat? The answer's no. So, I mean, in hindsight, you can ask however you want to ask it, but we shouldn't even got to that point. I think if John Denton opens 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 up with how much consideration did you give to pulling Gallegos after the home run, I don't think you get that reaction from Ali Marmel. The way that John said well, it, though. yeah, about like, you know. Uh, before the home run, to prevent the second one, did you think about going out and getting him? Like, <laughs> Of course, I, I, of I course, don't want the second one to happen. Right. The the other the other aspect of that, I mean, he's showing he's showing his he's showing his frustration. Yeah, but I get it. So look, we can crap on Ollie Marmel all day long, and the listeners, half of them think it's his fault, half of them blame the players. I think it's a combination of both at this point. That is a 
a really poorly posed question mm-hmm. by John Denton. I like John Denton. I think he does a good job. I love listening to him here on uh, on the balloon party. He joins PK and Ferrario from time to time. He's got some. He, he's got the bells to ask questions. He goes digging. He gets some answers. That was a very poorly posed question. To throw a hypothetical or a, in in hindsight question. Well, no kidding. Like it'd be like, hey. Um, if you knew you were going to get hit by that car, would you ride your bike down that street again? Uh, absolutely. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I didn't expect to get hit by the damn car. Right. Just like I didn't expect Gallegos to give up a second Ding Dong Johnson. Mm-hmm. So, again, in fairness to John Denton, he does a great job. Yeah. And, and but just that question, when a manager's already on tilt a little bit, or anybody's on tilt, the player. That's the one that's going to get you the reaction. Maybe that's what he was looking for. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was trying to poke a little bit. Well, he did come back and say, yeah, it's happened X amount of times. Well, he was, five times he was prepared. He's yeah, like, he well, was. it happened three times before. Right. Okay, how many times has Gallegos gone in there though, and it not happened? Right. Which, you know, a little, little back and forth there. A little bit. I, I don't I, mind it. I'm, I don't mind it. I like the drama of it. Yeah. Um, but maybe Ollie, too, in that situation, say, well, John. What exactly are you asking me? Mm-hmm. If you're asking me if I'd rather him not give up two home runs and limit it to one, the answer is yes. If you're also asking me if I could look into the future and see that he was going to give up that second one, the answer is no. If you could and you knew that was going to happen, well, hats off to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, based on everything that I've seen and the numbers that support it, didn't think that would happen. Right. I'm wondering if he was asking... When Gallegos comes in, gets the or he gets the nod and then gives up the home run because Ollie's referring how many times has it not happened when Gio comes in and he's been lights out, right? We've seen that happen multiple times this year, and he's been very good when when he has come in. But I wonder when he hits when he gives up a home run, how many times is he giving up that additional home run that puts the game out of reach? I was at the game when they played the Angels, same thing happened. He gives up the home run tie ball game, Mike Trout comes up, hits the go-ahead home run. Mm. So when he yeah, there might gives be a up, pattern there. there's the pattern. So when he gives up one, it's not about, not like, if he's on, he's on. But once he gives up that home run, I wonder just how how he responds. And he has not been responding in the way that you would like. If yep. you give up the home run, go right back at him and, and get the outs and keep the game manageably close. Whereas last night, he gives up the home run and then they tack on an additional few runs. So, okay. So let's so let's go. Let's walk down that road just for a second. And I'm gonna, I'm, I'm I'm doing this because I want to understand what the options would be today mm-hmm. for Ollie Marmel. So he yanks out Geo after that and goes to Cabrera. Yeah. Then let's say the Cardinals keep it close enough, tie game ish. They come back, whatever. What now? How long does he leave Cabby in there? Then does he go to Hicks? And then whose arms are burned up for today? Mm-hmm. What does the bullpen look like for today? I don't know. These are questions. I'm literally asking these questions because the manager and the pitching coach have to think about all of these things in real time. Right. And if if the text line, which I know, are talking about uh, overusing your bullpen, well, which one is it? Right. Are we overusing the bullpen, or you want us to continue to overuse the bullpen? Mm-hmm. They want they want you to overuse the bullpen when. It didn't work out the night before. Really, I mean, we're just we're just reacting. 
and maybe maybe many of you, some of you, would have stayed with Stratton last night. Okay. Well, this is what Ali Marmel said last night when it came to, and you remember the earlier question, he's talking about why he didn't stick with Stratton. He also discussed weighing the numbers versus kind of that gut feel. Yeah, the numbers don't make a decision for you. They never will. It's a matter of you're watching the game. You're watching what guys have done. You know who has confidence, who doesn't, who's feeling right, who's not feeling right. And uh, you make your decisions based on what you're seeing live. Numbers are there to inform decisions. That's pregame. You know all this data pregame, and you go into the game already knowing uh, everything we just talked about. You're, you're reading the game and using your eyes. Jamie, I, th- I feel like this is this is where you kind of take uh, umbrage with what Ali said because he earlier talked about using the numbers, and then yeah, he, he kinda... talks out of both sides of his mouth here on this one, and this is the part that I didn't like from Ali Marmel as he was already I call it puffed up. He was already ready to go with the media yeah. when they start asking their questions and. You know, the very first couple of questions, man, he threw out some analytics, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He didn't talk about feel at all. He spit out the 2,000 OPS, this, that, like he nailed you with analytics. And then he comes back now and says, it's a feel that I have to have as right. well as analytics. So that's the one where I'm like, well, which one is it then, Ollie? Mm-hmm. And I understand how it works because we've had this talk in the last couple of days and we're going to have this talk um, again at 4:15, about the use of analytics in sports and, and how important they are. How, how important they are, and how every single coach is using analytics in any sport that you're watching. Despite what people say. Despite what, yeah, some who I thought were, you know, in on it, mm-hmm. knew what was going on. Anyways, very disheartening. Very much so. Surprising, quite honestly. But Ollie, um, y- you can't do that. You can't take the analytics and slap it into the media's forehead <laughs> and then come back and slap gut feeling into their forehead right after. Right. Which one is it? Yeah. And that's where he lost me was when he started getting, you know, combative and then changing whatever he needed to say to kind of win the moment. Yeah, good call on it's that. It's not your job, Ollie. Win the game. Please. So like John Denton said, just to go over those numbers one more time, it has been three three times this season where he's given up two home runs. Every other game except for the one against San Francisco, which we just watched not too long ago, when Yastrzemski tied the game. That was the only other game where he did not give up multiple home runs in his outing. Yeah, and the text line, again, helping out. And I didn't claim to know the numbers on GI. I openly said it, but the text line – some of which are very mad at me, Anthony. It's okay. Thick skin. Uh, one in particular says, three out of four times Gio has given up second home run after giving up. So then they follow up uh, with, and I kind of enjoy this one. I, I like the snark and the chutzpah on this text. Mm. So if you're Mr. Stats, the numbers scream it's going to happen. If you've been hit by a car three out of four times you've been on that street, you don't go down that effing street. <laughs> Fair. Hats off yeah. to Fair you. Fair point. Text you might be entitled to so our financial compensation. Yeah, too. yeah. yeah. You listen to our commercial blocks. You'll probably hear one of them. All right, it's the Fast Night on 101 ESPN. What now for the Blues? They, they, they acquired Kevin Hayes earlier this the rings, week. Baby. They had the draft. The draft is still ongoing, but they had the first round, th- for the uh, three first round picks last night. So what now? for Army. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right 
back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We wanted top nine forward, we did. Uh, as I said earlier to you guys today, I, I know our defense gets a lot of uh, uh, scrutiny from, from uh, the media. Uh, but we need them to play the back to their the best of their capability, and uh, that, that's our focus now for the for to get into training camp. That was Doug Armstrong, the hockey president, uh, op- the president of hockey operations for the St. Louis Blues, and of course the general manager. And when he said the media, Jamie, I just thought of you. I thought he was saying basically Jamie Rivers. Jamie Rivers has been calling us out for uh, for the defense, and he just disguised it as media. Yeah. I doubt that Army's focused on what I have to say, quite honestly. Um, but apparently he is focused on what the media is saying when it comes to the defense. He's aware. I mean, that's not a surprise. <laughs> Army's right, though, in two ways here. One, um, that the media you know, has highlighted some of the deficiencies. Okay, go back two years ago. You were fine. Yeah, pretty good defensive core. You mm-hmm. did you did top three power play, top three penalty kill. Things just fell off the rails last year. I don't know why. I refuse to think that it was just Mike Van Ryan, the problem, based on the fact that Mike Van Ryan's been here for a really long time. He's a Stanley Cup champion defense coach. He had the uh, first place team in the Western Conference heading into the bubble defense coach. Had a 109-point season defense coach. Maybe every now and then it's just the players didn't do their job properly. And that's where I go with this. Because I think all of those players have the capabilities. Wait a second. I thought the coach did all that. No, that's, coach... on, that's only in baseball. Ah, yeah, that's only in baseball. Not in hockey. It's way different. We're accountable. Anyways, um, so the players have to take some responsibility in this. Right. And when you look at the lineup, and if you want to shred, based on recent history, last year, we'll just use last year, if you want to shred this defensive core apart, I guess there's no pushback. There really isn't. But if you want to truly evaluate what a player is, you usually take a three-year window and a five-year window. Mm -hmm. And if you go back, including last year, let's take last year and the two years prior, the defense core is pretty good. Justin Falk had career years here in St. Louis, playing really good hockey. Colton Pareko, one of the best shutdown defensemen here overall. Look at Nick Letty. People love Nick Letty. You got to look at this guy skate. Look at the exit zone passes. He's tape to tape. Tory Krug, he had a top three power play with Tory Krug. Regardless of what you think of the signing now or the fact that Alex Petrangelo had to leave and all this stuff. You had a top three power play with Tory Krug on it. So I'm not sitting here just pumping the tires of the Blues players right now. I'm being honest because last year wasn't pretty. And so when Army talks about the media talking about the team, I'm sorry, Army. It's recency, right? What have you done for me lately? And, sure. and Army he knows that. that. He knows that, he, yeah. uh, he absolutely knows that. Yeah. But he, here's what Army is correct about is that if this defensive core, these players, if for some reason he can't move on from certain players, or this is what we've got come training camp, things could be worse. They really could be. If this decor can get back to playing stingy defense, and maybe Mike Weber is the key to this. Maybe Mike Van Ryan did run his course. I don't know that to be true or not, but maybe it's a bit of a wake-up call, too, to the players. 
we got a brand new coach. Guess guess who the onus is going to be on with a brand new coach? The players. The players. Because we've already gotten rid of a coach. Mm-hmm. Why are you guys still not you know, pulling up your end of the bargain right. here? I thought we fixed the prog- problem. Yeah, I thought, I thought that's what we had to do. So if you go back to training camp this year and you haven't been able to change your defensive core at all, the players can change the outlook going into this season. And so there are teams around the league when I look at their top six defensemen, never mind their top eight, because the Blues are going to be eight defensemen deep come training camp. And they'll still have an opportunity to move on from some guys because what happens is there's injuries in and around training camp and preseason, and then there's players that don't perform. And teams go, woof, we thought we had a better player. We thought this was going to be a lot better. Let We need to go get some depth at defense, or we need a top four guy that's when you can start to wheel and deal again. So the overall look of this team, when Army talks about adding a top, our middle six forward and, and doing all that stuff, I think the forward group is absolutely fine. The goaltenders, you know how I feel about the goalies. You got 1A and 1B again this year coming up. And if the defensive core is going to be the area that you highlight, go back two years ago. Go back two years ago because that was an area of strength. Now the wheels fell off last year, not the whole year, in spurts. But if these guys can get back on track, and maybe maybe Tory Krug is here, maybe he's really pissed off. Maybe he wants to show everybody that he is a top four defenseman that he can play at a very high level. How much did the system change from two years ago? Uh, it really, they changed a couple of things in the defensive zone, mm-hmm. but overall, like, it didn't change that much. I was hoping you'd say that it did. No. They tweaked some things, which I don't know necessarily know why. I guess they feel like sometimes it just, you know, they, they want to keep other teams on their toes or something. Uh, and then they tried to go back a little bit. and It just wasn't working. From a consistency level for last year, from the systems to the players to the execution, it was a bad year. It was an off year. I think with a fresh set of eyeballs in, in Mike Weber, a new voice, and certainly the, the team philosophy is going to be shut down the middle of the ice. Craig Berube talked about it. Craig Berube talked about blocking shots, taking away shot lanes, taking away passing lanes. If that's going to be hyper-focused on from day one when the players get here, I think you have no choice but to see an improvement out of this group. Mm-hmm. How difficult is it for players to readjust to a new system? Is it is it not as difficult as as we think because players are moving to different teams so often? What was that again? So, like, how difficult will it be for these group of players to sort of get back into a different system where they end up not having you know the same tendencies as last year? Yeah. Well, look, all these guys have played different systems their entire life. Right, and that's what I was somewhat getting to. Coach is it, to coach, is, is team it, to team, yeah. level to level, like it it changes. I've played every single defensive system you can talk about. You just have to know which mm-hmm. one you're supposed to be playing, and your teammates have to know that too. And this is why the middle of the ice and your forward group being a lot more, you know, I, I guess, alert defensively can help your decor too. Because there's times last year where – the Blues defensemen had to back up so far and give up the zone because they had absolutely nobody defending in the middle of the ice. You'd get two or three guys caught down low in the offensive zone, and then there's a wave of players coming at you. You can't take away time and space. You can't close out plays. You have to continuously give up ice until you can get some help. 
And when that help never comes, that's when you get picked apart. We saw in the the playoffs, not only did Vegas have a really good shutdown decor, but I thought the way that they were able to exit the zone, not just from Anthony's clear at camp, mm. but the way that they played tight, they were they were close-knit, their forwards, I feel like the Blues need to get back to that too in order to somewhat get rid of that pressure because they've had a difficult time in the, at least the past few years of getting the puck out of the zone and relieving some of that D-zone pressure. Well, it's one of the aspects that uh, we'll cover in the clear camp, but um, <laughs> unfortunately, some of us right here uh-huh. don't believe in it. Marshy, you know what you call that? The system you're talking about? Hmm. Players being five, six feet, seven feet apart, good puck support? Call that playing fast. Craig Berube has said those words right here on mm-hmm. these airwaves. Playing fast. How do you play fast? It's not having the fastest skaters. Mm-hmm. It's moving the puck up the ice the fastest way possible. How do you do that? Finding the open player. How does the player get open? He has to work. work. He has to compete. He has to give an effort to get to open ice to receive the puck. Then the other player has to execute. Got to pass that thing tape to tape. Once you get one pass tape to tape and you got a guy in, in full speed... All of a sudden, you're playing fast. Now the other team has to you know, push back, play on their heels. At times last year, the first pass execution wasn't there, the puck support wasn't there, and the effort wasn't there. So you tighten up some of those things, and it can look a lot different. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We'll let you hear what Mo had to say about the trade deadline as he spoke to the assembled media in the pregame of yesterday's matchup with the Astros. Mo, next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I keep seeing the bullpen blow the game, blow the game, blow the game. Uh, Is Mosaic trying to lose? Fair question by Janet, leaving us a mic drop. I think those are a little older, but boy, they still play. They still play. Anthony, I think the mic drop's at least over a year old, which which (laughs) makes this even funnier and sadder. Yes, man. 303, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. So Mo spoke to the media before yesterday's game. One of the questions that he was asked was about the trade deadline and what will decide what trades they want to make at the deadline. You'll hear the question, then you'll hear Mo's response. It's two minutes or so, but it's, it's interesting. Go ahead. John, once again, we talk about the trade deadline, which keeps getting closer and closer. And as it does approach, are you guys setting up markers in terms of how many games out you are in the Central or how many games below 500 you are as to which direction you'll head in terms of how you proceed with trades? So let's touch on this a couple ways. First off, like I think a lot of people look at the trading deadline sort of in three buckets, right? You're either a buyer, a seller, or a hold. And I think for the Cardinals right now, we're going to be in the fourth bucket, and that's a a little bit of uncertainty. And I think, 
are there some things that maybe we could do right now, meaning in the next 30 days, that could help this club get over the hump? Those are things we want to consider. We also want to understand what it might look like to try to help improve this club for the future. So that could look like trading for some prospects that you could add into your system, but it could also mean you know, adding some players that could help contribute right away next year as well. So we're, we're going to look at all of that. And as you and I were talking before we were on camera, you had asked about, like, are we planning for all of those different scenarios? And the answer is yes. We're certainly going to start, you know, making sure we exhaust what all those look like and be prepared. I don't think you're going to see a heavy activity in the trade deadline until you really get closer to the end of July. Um, as you know, that Right now we have the draft in the middle of, of July. And so I think, you know, really for the next couple of weeks, front offices are going to focus on that. Then right when that ends, we turn the page and go straight to the trading deadline. But in the meantime, there's some things we got to think about. And with regard to markers, you know, if we still think we have a chance to, to get to win our division and compete for that, then that's going to we're going to look at the trading deadline much differently than if we don't think we have that chance and to determine what that looks like really depends on how we are playing and how the rest of the division is playing so just ask for a little patience on that end but you know certainly like the way we're playing right now we think we're uh, uh pointed in the right direction and, and hopefully we can build on that all right so let's unpack it so he had a long answer there but i thought it was worth playing all the way through jamie so let's let's unpack some of it one I don't think Mo should ever mention patient or patience or be patient or we're going to ask for patience. Just, just eliminate that word and, so and all rend it. In lieu of, Anthony, give me your thesaurus. Uh, we're going to use urgency with all of this. I would flip it. But that's a lie. Then I'd lie to people. Wow. Wow, Andrew. There's a lot of things I expected to hear out of Anthony, but that's not one of them. I think this fan base wants to be lied to. I don't think they do, Anthony. Quite honestly, I think it's the the different approach. I think they want the truth. Yeah, I think they feel like they've been lied to for quite some time. Bingo. Actually. What the hell's wrong with you? It's What's the complete it? opposite. Name one lie. Ha! Payroll's going to increase. It did. Yeah. That, Anthony, that stop it. Smoke and mirrors. You know what we call that? We call that a white lie. Why is it a white lie? Because it's not necessarily the truth. But, it's not, but it's not necessarily a lie? Yeah, you're like stretching the truth. Uh. He's stretching it all right. I'll tell you what, John Mosellock, um, did not payroll did not really go up because he just decided to throw a bunch of things in the bucket and push the average of the payroll up. So that's it, one lie. Did it go up or not? Not really, no. <laughs> no, it didn't. All right. He couple- took the deferred money and put it on the payroll. A couple of things here. Yeah, I can't do that. Him saying that the end of July is when the market is going to establish. There's no, there's no way around that. The Cardinals are going to start making trades right now. They're not. They wouldn't be smart to. You want that deadline. You want, you want people. You want teams, and and GMs and other spots to have a little panic to them. They know they have a World Series contender, but they need they need some options. They need a Jordan Montgomery. They need this. They need that. You want the deadline to be used. In your advantage. So that's one. Him saying it end of July, that makes a lot of sense. You also, and he had mentioned it, you don't know where this club is going to be. They're probably going to be right around the same spot that they are because they, in a year that they've been, I mean, this is just a year of inconsistency from the Cardinals, but they have been consistent in one area, Jamie. They haven't been good enough. What? So I don't expect them to be good enough at the trade deadline either. I expect them to sell. He, 
him saying that they're uncertain, yeah, he doesn't know if he's going to be a buy, a buyer, a seller, or a holder because he doesn't know where the Cardinals, the Cardinals are going to be. And it, it might be a little bit of, a, of both when it comes to buying and selling. Mm-hmm. You could sell on this year and buy for next year. It doesn't have to be a situation where you trade a guy and it's only for a prospect that you may use three down three years down the road. This is why I keep saying from here on out it has to be about 2024. It's a player player evaluation, who stays, who goes, who's going to get me my best return, and Jamie you had said it yesterday, shotgun approach with pitching. Mm-hmm. Use the assets that I have to get pitching that's going to help me next year, whether that's in the bullpen or in the starting rotation. The way I look at it is this way. You're allowed to be a buyer and a seller at the same time. And the the way you go about that is the expiring contracts that you do have coming up or the underperforming players that you just don't think are going to fit well with your club, you sell. Exactly. And then you go buy what you need. And it doesn't just because you're a buyer doesn't mean you're uh, falsely trying to go for it this year. No, you make sure you go buy the right pieces. You're mm-hmm. not going to buy a rental, right? Because that serves no purpose for yeah, you, right? Zero, unless unless, the, unless they're going to sign with you immediately and you have that you have that knowledge. If so, that's different, correct? But don't no, you're right. You're not going to buy. You're going to get rental. No, you're going to get somebody like like. Uh, and these these guys wouldn't be rentals, but you're not you're not buying for this year. No, and if you think you are, if you say you are, then a couple things. One, I would believe that to be a lie, thinking that you're actually still in it. And two, I think it's a really bad business decision. Mm -hmm. So unless there's something attached to it. Let's say you trade a Jordan Montgomery for a aging pitcher that's going to be a free agent next year. But you get a prospect with them, a younger pitcher that's in like double A right now that you know projects right. that okay eats, eats up some innings right now. I'll take your I'll take your yeah. your aging pitcher off your hands. You're gonna give me the young guy with him, and I'll give you Jordan Montgomery for your playoff run. That's a good call. You know, so that's the only way I would be looking at so called rental players. Apart from that, I think a good GM is constantly buying while they're selling. They just have to make sure what they're buying is uh, it falls in line with what their actual plan is. Mm-hmm. You can't just buy up pieces and then you go, I don't really know, because then you end up with a collection of talent and not necessarily and not a, team. a team. Yep. Do you guys do you guys trust this front office and the scouting staff to land those players? Uh, no. Really? But it doesn't mean that you can't. Well, you know what? They've Think actually, about this for a second. They've actually That's been a really better good in trades. Question. They've actually been better, way better in trades than they have yeah, in free look, agency. Hang on. No, no. The, the, take free agency out of it. As far as player evaluation, they fumbled the ball on a few things that they've traded out the door. You highlight all the, the ones that you know have gone awry. But they've had some pretty good drafts here, too, guys. In the last, what, five, six years, they've had some pretty good drafts. Look at some of the players that are on your roster via the draft. I think what Marsh is asking, though, is uh, how good are you at scouting other teams so that mm-hmm. when you trade a Jordan Montgomery, you you are getting the right. Oh, piece. that yeah, I think that might be to be determined. Yeah, because they really haven't they really haven't dipped their toes in that water in a while that right. I can recall. They've dipped their toes in the we'll take the John Lester's and the Jay Haps, right? And mm-hmm. the, like the Jose Quintanas of the world, and not that anything wrong with any of those guys. They did mm-hmm. the job very well here. 
But to your point, they haven't dipped their toes into the hmm. Yeah. Who's that AAA player yeah. that's right? Probably not since there. Libertor, if I, that I can think off the top of my well, head. I wouldn't use that. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you another example that does that. That it, right now is not is not going to land well. But the last time they did this, the last time they kind of sold, quote unquote, they got Henesis Cabrera for Tommy Pham. There's like three players, and Cabrera was the one that made it, and Gio. Gallegos for Luke Voigt. I don't hate those moves, though. No. So the last time they did this, I mean, it's a small sample size. The last time they did this, they, they fared pretty pretty well. But, but were those guys already MLB ready? This is where I'm talking about the 4A players. Yeah. No, not when you got them, but when you look a year, mm-hmm. you know, a year later, year and a half later, yes. This is th- That is the area that I would be targeting. For example, Atlanta Atlanta just designated, not designated, excuse me, they sent down their top pitching prospects prospect. And he had made the team out of spring training, but as they got healthier, they didn't need him in the starting rotation. Does that mean that he's not good enough? No. It means that they've they've got their their roster that they want, they got the rotation that they want, and they've got somebody that is going to go back to AAA. They would still be a prospect, but that could join a major league staff right now. So if Atlanta was was looking and they, they need outfielders, mm-hmm. they probably could use another guy that that would upgrade what they currently have in their starting rotation, and they can use a reliever. Why not call the Braves and say, we're looking at your top pitching prospect. Look at our roster. Tell, tell us what you want. And maybe it's a situation where you're trading two major league players to them. That, that can help them out. But you're going to get a guy that's going to join your starting rotation next year. That is the type of move I'd be making at the deadline if I could. If this was any other division, any other team in this league, oh, yeah. are they even at the point right now where they're, they're even considering still holding or buying? No. <clears throat> no. Well, You wouldn't say it, let's but look, no. I'll say it. Well, I mean, they wouldn't say oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, look, if they were in the National League East, forget about it. If they were in the West, you can pretty much forget about it. Yeah. So the only, and if you want to expand it to the entire league, the only other division that compares to this one, as far as being hot garbage, the <laughs> AL Central. Mm-hmm. And but the AL mm-hmm. Central, the Guardians still have a pretty good team, and, and so do the Minnesota Twins. Like yeah. ish. I, I think, uh, Marsh, to your point, it's like okay, you're looking at it, and you know, you, you can't even declare it yet. Even though you know you got a, you don't have a good team, you don't have a team that's going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So here's just for for reference point, is the Washington Nationals, their winning percentage is 400, the Cardinals' winning percentage is 418, so a little bit better, right? The Nationals are 21 games back in the NL East. <laughs> so the Cardinals, you wouldn't even have the opportunity. So here's this: the New York Mets have a 450. Winning percentage, and they're 17 games back in mm-hmm. that division. So the Cardinals would probably be somewhere about 19 games back. You'd be definitely thinking at that point, okay, right. who's get, who's going here? The only reason why Mo is able to say, well, you don't buy, sell, hold, and we're just uncertain about it, March to your point, is that they play in the NL Central. That's it. What's trending is next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half-price Cardinals ticket voucher. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Last night, Domingo Herman pitched a perfect game against the lonely Oakland Athletics. I don't want it like that. Give this guy They're some props, They're not lonely. Man. They've got each other. It's lowly. a good point. Oh, lowly. I thought you said lonely. All Maybe I did say lonely. Here's Doming- Domingo Herman's previous starts you guys ready for this oh, this is how weird baseball is what do you mean oh here we go just go what's your you, you always talk about my attitude clean well, up your attitude it, it celebrate this guy's perfect game and you go right back to the two worst games of his life right before this one go ahead that's yeah, all right i don't think this guy's really a good dude no he's not no he's had some off-field stuff oh really i don't yeah. know yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay yeah not the best get him anthony <laughs> <laughs> his previous two starts before last night he allowed seven runs in just two innings to the boston red sox and then he went three and a third allowing eight hits 10 runs eight only eight were earned he gave up four ding dong johnsons in a loss to the mariners and then he had the perfect game against the A's. Now, granted, the A's are a triple triple A club, but still, nonetheless, I mean, first perfect game in Major League Baseball this year, so impressive nonetheless. Perfect game's a perfect game, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah, Even I don't think it helps. Uh, yeah, that and the fact that... I have to figure that... out what happened with this guy now. What's his name again? Domingo Domingo Roman. Yeah, spelled like German. Okay. Yes. But he also was, um, I, I, if I'm not mistaken... He was ejected earlier this year for cheating. Correct. Well, for the sticky stuff. Yes. He had the sticky stuff all over the balls. All yeah, he over did. the balls. All over him. Mm-hmm. But the ump got him. The ump Absolutely. caught him red-handed. So yeah. did the ump inspect the balls or his hand? Uh, probably the hand first. Okay. I mean, that's what I would go. To. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know how I feel oh, about. Oh yeah, this guy's Domingo. not a great person Mm-mm. at all. Hmm. Yep. All right, Marshy, what else you got? <laughs> the Detroit Red Wings trade for Edmonton's Kyler Yamamoto and really? former Blue Clem Costin during the NHL draft. What do you guys think about this move for the Red Wings and how they're building their team? And what do you think about Clem Costin and how he did last year and how that will translate to Detroit? I hate to say it, Jamie, but I, I like what Detroit's doing. Okay, but hang on now. Yamamoto's a good player. Yeah, but hang on. There are a lot of layers to this. Okay. Okay, so the Red Wings traded future considerations. Do you know what that is, Anthony? It's a future player. It's anything. It's maybe a hotel room at a casino (laughs) one night. That's smart. That's future considerations. So they traded nothing, essentially, for both of these players. Okay. Why? Uh, the Oilers don't know what they're doing. No, that's Ken Holland over there. Oh, crap. The Oilers are a clear salary dump on this one, okay? Yeah, because they need... Okay. They're looking to make... the Ken Holland on record saying we're in the win-now mode. Okay. So, a couple things. One, Kyler Yamamoto pay, being paid too much for what he was providing to the Oilers. A good, small, young player. Mm-hmm. You know, still some upside there. And Clem Costin was going to probably break the bank in arbitration. 
I don't mean like literally break the bank, but break the bank as far as what you have for salary cap space if you're the Oilers. Sure. Because Clem Shady went there and he absolutely shoved. Yeah. Like he became like Jamie Benn, scoring goals, beating people up, running people over, all that stuff. But then the here's where it gets weird. Clem Costin apparently was in talks with Avant Garde Omsk in the KHL to go sign there. So I don't know how that happens. So Ken Holland gets wind of all this and figures I've got to trade this guy because one, I can't fit him under the cap for what he's going to get. But two, he's already talking to another Russian team about going back there to play. So the Red Wings trade for both of these players. Now they're in talks with Clint Costin trying to keep him on this side of the pond here. And now there's, there's even rumblings of them waving Yamamoto for the purpose of a buyout. Oh, really? Wow. So, like I said, That's interesting. a lot of layers. So the Red Wings, looking like they really wanted Clem Costin in this deal. And that Kyler Yamamoto was the cost of doing business because mm-hmm. Ken Holland needed the cap space. So they absorb his contract and hope. And then they buy him out, and it's a smaller piece of the salary cap that gets hit at that point. Okay. So it's all like... Next level crap here when we're talking about uh, it. Still though, they've got a they cl- they have a clear plan, and mm-hmm. if they wind up getting Costin in this, and give up nothing, the, a Pepsi machine. Yeah, I mean they're they're in good shape. Yeah, but the flip side of it is you didn't really want Yamamoto, so the purpose was to buy him out, and then if you lose Klim Costin to the Russian team. All of a sudden, you overpaid for those guys. Right. That Coke machine's worth more than what you have on your <laughs> roster. <laughs> so David, who gave up the Coke machine? It's going to be interesting to see how this shapes up because Steve Eiserman is one of the smarter hockey guys in the world. So yeah. we'll see. Okay. Speaking of trades, though, last night was the first time since 2007 that there were no trades completed during the first round of the NHL draft. Are you guys surprised to see something like this happen, or is it, does that just speak to how deep this draft was? Uh, super surprised. Because even in the deepest drafts in NHL history, there's always moving and shaking mm-hmm. going on. Uh, Doug Armstrong was asked about it, and he just said, you know, you can, there's a calm before the storm that kind of hits the, the draft floor. And then you're waiting for somebody to do something, and then nobody's doing anything. So then you're kind of apprehensive about doing something. And all of a sudden, nothing happens. It's a weird kind of... um, Dynamic. Yeah. So I'm very surprised that there weren't more moves made, or any for that matter. But it does speak to a a percentage here of just how strong the draft class was to, to show that guys weren't really willing to wheel and deal their first rounders. What I thought was peculiar, though, is that even sometimes during the draft in the first round, you'll end up with a player-for-player trade off somewhere else because you see a player that's on the board that you want that you think can take this guy's job, and you go, well, I'll trade so-and-so for so-and-so. So So, uh, there's a trade that happens that has nothing to do with the actual draft picks, Mm -hmm. but it kind of gets the fire going a little bit. None of that happened. Kind of weird. That's what's trending in the fast lane on 101 at ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh. At the lineup game at some point, I kind of thought the lineup would be out by now, but I don't know. Maybe the Cardinals got a move coming up. Jamie, you had mentioned JoJo Romero. Oh, I just was kind of being a little bit of a snarky jerk, and I was like, oh, that's just JoJo Romero. Kind of makes some sense, though. All right, how would Army 
handle this Cardinals team. I was listening to the Bloom Party today, and Tim read off a text that was kind of interesting comparing the two teams. So I thought it'd be an interesting exercise. How would Army handle the Cardinals? It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Look, I don't blame none of what's going on this season on Ali managing. Yes, some of his decisions are questionable, but every manager goes through that. Heck, Dusty Baker, one of the greatest, and I'm pretty sure some of his decisions are questioned in Houston. So, you know, nobody's perfect. But this team's flaws, I believe, is more so on the pitching versus being on the offense. That's Courtney. Courtney's absolutely right. I thought it was a smart, reasonable take by Courtney when it comes to, you know, the manager. That's not to say that you can't get frustrated with Ollie or frustrated with some of the decision making or sit there last night and say, no, you got to leave Stratton in, or you got to go to so and so, and then you watch the Cardinals lose a game in which they should have won because Gallegos gives up two home runs, and think to yourself, the Cardinals would be better with with a different manager. I, I I'm not going to talk you out of that, but at, at, at what point do we say the players aren't executing? The players are not executing. Last night, another opportunity to win a game, and Gallegos wasn't the one that executed. He's done he's done that before. We've also seen a guy like Miles Michaelis not pitch well in June. He didn't execute last night. And we'll see about Nolan Arenado and his availability. He was pulled last night because he had back tightness, and John Denton had tweeted out that, hey, maybe the lineup is not because they're still waiting on the availability of Nolan Arenado, which would, would make a lot of sense. But Arenado had an opportunity last night. Newt had an op- opportunity last night, and, and, and they didn't get it done either. Now the offense, though, to Courtney's point, Jamie, you brought up the same point before, the offense wasn't to blame. They scored seven runs. You're going to win that game. Execute. Yeah. So I was listening to the balloon party today, and Tim McKernan read off a tweet that I thought was, or a, a text message that I thought was really interesting, Jamie. And it was it was talking about how when it comes to Army and the moves that he makes for the Blues, there's always a plan A, there's a plan B, or seemingly there's a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. He's... He's prepared for any and all situations. Mo seemingly is reactionary. And I think it's just kind of a difference maybe in styles, difference in the way they, they handle the media. But I thought it'd be an interesting exercise, and no better person to talk to about this than you, Jamie, is how do you think Army would handle this Cardinals team if he were the president of baseball operations right now for the Cards, given what we know about his strategies and how he handles the trade deadline. Yeah, so first off, I think Army would have been a little more um, upfront with the fans as to what the process is going to be uh, for the Cardinals. I think that uh, if Army said, hey, payroll's going up, it's really going up. Yeah. It's not some you know trickery of moving the shells around to figure out how that's going to work well first and foremost jamie you're absolutely right he would have held the knife to the dewitt's 
<laughs> I don't think eyes. That, Say, hey, I need no, more money. I, I don't think that would. Maybe it would happen. Maybe. I mean, maybe he has it in him. I I'm don't. Just know. going on track record. It. Yeah. You never know. <clears throat> but I do feel like Army has a uh, a bigger history of wheeling and dealing, and not looking back with regret. Does he regret certain things? Of course. But he keeps plowing forward, and he keeps trying to make moves and acquisitions to make the team better. Here's where it gets a little blurry for me, is whatever your definition of success is as a Cardinals fan, it's pretty hard to continuously blow it up when you're in the playoffs every year. Whether you've won a series or not, I get it. They haven't in a long time. But when you're in the discussion every year, it's pretty hard to pivot and do like Army has done. Because Army's, and with a salary cap era, Army is forced to make some decisions that he'd rather not have to make. Mm -hmm. He would rather have not let David Perron walk. He would rather have not let Alex Petrangelo walk. He would love to hang on to all of the guys that he could have if he had no salary cap. So at some point, Army's painted into a corner and has to make a decision, but he does. He does. He doesn't him and ha about it. He doesn't kind of deflect. He makes a decision, and he lives with it. And now he's made some incredible decisions, and he's made some that I think he'd probably like back. Mm-hmm. But that's called that's being a manager. Yeah. That's being the, the, the top dog when it comes to player transactions. So the, the biggest difference I see between the two personalities is I do believe Doug Armstrong to be more of um, an alpha when it comes to moving players or acquiring players and not being too patient. Mm-hmm. Being thought out, being prepared, calculated, all of that, yes. But I don't know if it's being too patient or just being you know not urgent enough. So that's the difference to me is clearly in the two personalities. Like if you put Mo and Army in a room, you know that they're not the same person. You talk to both guys, and we have. And I enjoy talking to both guys collectively, but they're not the same person. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately that just shows up in the way they handle their teams. I think the biggest difference, and we got we got credit to Lisa because Lisa Lisa had a great text message that that she sent to the Air Comfort Service text line at three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six. But she said, "Well, if Army was in charge, we know that Wayno wouldn't be back." And to her point, I mean, it's funny, and she's right. But to her point, I think the biggest difference between the two is that Army makes seemingly makes up his mind a lot faster. I think when it comes to and, and I'm not just saying to move on from a player. Also to give out contracts. I think Army is quicker to say, that's a guy I'm going to give an eight-year contract to. We've seen we've seen it. We've seen it with Kyrie. We've seen it with Robert Thomas. Off of, off of potential and production and talent and how it fits within the, the system. And how it fits. On the roster. And the cap. Bam. Yeah, the cap. So sometimes these decisions have to be fast-forwarded because sure. if you don't lock up a player or you're not cautious and you don't get him at the right price and all of a sudden he has another big year or two big years and now he's priced himself out of your salary cap. Sure. I think it's that's a it's a fair point. It's it's one that you I mean, really that that's the big that's the big difference between the two. One's got a cap, one doesn't. But I also think that when it comes to 
gauging whether or not a player still has it or not, Army, I think, goes is more in line with the Bill Parcells better to get rid of a player one year too early mm-hmm. than one year too late. No, I agree 100%. And I think Mo is the exact opposite. I think and we've seen this now and there's been some hits and there's been some misses. Fortunately, he brought back he brought back Albert. Fortunately, he could have got rid of it. He could have could have said, you know, thanks to Wayno for all you've done 3 years ago. And he would have been justified. But Wayno is Wayno has rewarded him with or re, did reward the Cardinals and him with with back-to-back excellent seasons. And this is this is the one that kind of caught up to you. But with Wayno, what else are you going to do? If he says he wants to come back, he want you know like. I think the only thing he could have done is maybe he didn't have to pony up as much money. That's a good call on that. I think that if Wayno wanted to come back for one more year, I'm structuring the contract to be a team friendly deal. Yeah. To where I'm like Adam, we love what you have done for this franchise. You have made in a lot of money. This team, if you'd like your last year to be competitive, we need you to play for $5 million. Mm. Now, throw some incentives in there. Sure. We can get you up to like eight or nine. Yeah. Or even 10. Maybe even 10. But this $17.5 million, yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. No. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter, it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Why don't we do the Sports Six Pack next? I mentioned the Air Let's Comfort do Service. It. T- there you go. We mentioned the Air Comfort Service tax line 314 399 9646. Send in a question. Sports Six Pack next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's. Your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. Time for the Sports Six back here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh with your questions via the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. Question number one. All right, guys, this one comes from the 217. Talking about the NHL draft. Does it say more about the Ducks or Adam Fantilli that he wasn't taken second? Was there something they saw that we didn't? That's a good question. Yeah, it says nothing about either of them. Quite honestly, it says everything that you need to know about Carlson. The guy they picked up. Mm. And a lot of people were extremely high on this young man and think he's going to be a fabulous player. So, quite honestly, I don't think it says anything about Adam Fantilli because Adam Fantilli, in other years, probably would have been the first overall pick to the Chicago Blackhawks if Connor Bedard was not in this draft. So, uh, yeah, I uh, I don't think it speaks anything to the team. I think, quite honestly, if... if if anything to do with the team, it may be that they have really good scouting over in Europe and they just, they liked this player stylistically better for their team. Question number two. From the 314, do you guys think it's hypocritical of the BFIB people to criticize Ali as much as they do? But then when Wayno comes out and lays an egg, no one is allowed to criticize. Wow, that's a complex question there. Uh, no, I don't think it's. I don't. I don't think it fits into the hypocritical definition. 
and I don't think anybody is suggesting that they shouldn't criticize Adam Wainwright, but I think that we've we've kind of I think that story got overblown to some degree. Like Wayno, Wayno may have just said, "Look, I'm 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 deactivating well, the account." I've yet to go I, back and listen, but I, I, from what I gather, he referenced somebody giving him advice a long time ago and just, you know, whatever. And so I think it might be a combination of some things, but I do believe that from what I understand that Wayno was just like, hey, you know what? I need to worry more about like yeah. this and not that. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're struggling, if you're struggling, whether you're, you're Adam Wainwright and believe it or not, even though he's making them what the amount of money he's making, he's still a human being. I, I'm on a, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw that out there. I know that's difficult to hear sometimes that somebody that's making a lot of money still has, you know, feelings, but when it comes to when you're struggling, whether it's a, you know an a, you're an athlete and you're struggling, or you're struggling every everyday life, what can you eliminate to simplify your life? What can what can you get rid of? Some are small, some, some are, are big. big. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, maybe it's uh, maybe it's Twitter. Maybe it's a human being that you just eliminate out of your life and say you are toxic. Yeah, I'm out. It has happened. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the BFIB criticizing Wayno or criticizing Ali, I I think I think if you keep it, I always think of it this way, Jamie. And if you you know, let me know if you agree. If you keep it within the realm of you're criticizing Wayno's baseball performance or you're criticizing Ali as a manager, it's a fair game. It's not to say that we won't provide perspective from time to time, but keep it within the framework of the job. Anthony, yeah. Uh, Marshy, breaking news. Really? Mm-hmm. 101 ESPN breaking news alert. Adam Wainwright back on Twitter. You're kidding me. You're I'm ki- not kidding You're kidding you. me. Look at Anthony. Is that not Uncle Charlie? 341,000 followers. That's him. Before a game? Against the Astros? I uh, I got a tip on that, by the way, from the 314. I said, Wayno back on Twitter today. I could tell wow. they were whispering it to me. <laughs> okay. Thank you for the well, heads up. I forget up. whatever I said. Uncle Charlie, back uh, back on Twitter. Okay. Hmm. Social, me- social media is weird. I don't think he is. Well, I'm staring right at it, Marshy. Otherwise, yeah, you can't no, pull he's, it up. He is. He is Otherwise, Marsh. it gives you like a blank thing. Look at what? I, I can't break everything in the studio for you, Andrew. <clears throat> Why is he not popping up on my Twitter? Oh, he has you blocked. Yeah. I didn't even say anything bad. Nobody that associates means, you oh, with now the Now he shows up. <laughs> yeah, that means, now that means you've been blocked. Now he shows up. Wow. I typed in Adam Wainwright, and then I hit people, and the only guy that came up was Adam Wainwright, who's the owner and founder of DXA or DXAE Sports. I'm I don't just, think that's him. No, nope. I'm just going to throw this out there. I think it's a bad idea. That he's back on? Just hours before you face the Astros. I'm just saying. I, I don't know what to think of it, to be honest. Because it was such a big deal. Was made of him leaving Twitter. And now he's back. Whatever. Go ahead, Marsh. Hmm. Already. Yeah, I do find that interesting. Question number three. From the 636... 
Sick of the Cardinal questions, guys. Should I be actually hyped about my Detroit Lions being division champs this year, or should I keep low expectations so I won't get my feelings hurt? Oh, um... I think that it, for a team that had so many issues defensively, I think they're being overhyped. However, I understand why they're being overhyped when they play in the same division as Marsh's Vikings, who also don't have a defense, although I, like, I love the hire of Brian Flores. I think that's great. But you also, oh, I don't know, need the personnel, too, to go with the hire. But the defense for Minnesota isn't good. The defense for Detroit isn't good. I think Green Bay, I think people are kind of sleeping on Green Bay a little bit. They have the better roster. They just We just don't know what the hell Jordan Love is going to be. And the Bears are going to be, at the very least, exciting. At, at worst, Justin Fields get, gets hurt, and then you're going to just sink to the bottom of the NFC North where you may wind up anyways. But should you be excited about the Lions? Absolutely. Absolutely. That offense is dangerous. You better be, Anthony. That offensive line is one of the best in football. You've got uh, a quarterback in Jared Goff. Perfect perfect match with Ben Johnson's offense and that system. St. Brown is, if if not the best, one of the best possession receivers in all of football. I think that you should absolutely be hyped up for your Lions. If not now, when? You know? No, I am, for sure. It's my youngest... It is your youngest, yeah. Along for the ride. Question number four. From the 314, if a fast if fast food chains held a draft, which fast food joint would be picking number one? For what, though? Like, I don't understand the question. Is it are we picking the fast food joint or what are they picking? Us? I'm assuming I'm I'm assuming they mean like we're let's say you have the number one overall pick. Who are you selecting as the Fast food? Fast food place. Okay, I yeah. thought it was who oh, are they I re- selecting? And that's what I... Well, who, what would they select? That's what I'm asking. Like people? So, like, like, who, like Marsh? Basically. Like, like RB selects Marsh? Who's the... Sure. Who, who's like, you know, one of the worst fast food joints out there? Oh, I get that. Well, I see. What would they still be selecting? Well, we don't, I don't know, know about maybe that. Maybe a new, like, owner? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> or CEO? Yeah. We can do both. I think that's interesting. Okay, so who would be, like, the worst? So they would have the number one overall pick. I mean, it depends. Are you um, sober or not? It's a valid question. Boy, if you're not sober and you still won't go to a place, I think we have our answer. Okay, what place is that for you? Because I I can't. Mm. I know who would be picking last. Wendy's. I was gonna say Raising Canes because they'd oh. be at the best. I didn't see. I don't even view. I, I mean, they are fast. fast. They, they are though. They're, they're fast are. food. Yeah. yeah if you have food. a drive-through, you're fast food. Well, I, they're not all that fast because the drive-through is always looped around the damn block. Well, that's because there's yeah. so many people. There's so many people. It's so they, good. Let's be honest. They, they I get it's it. fresh tenders. It's really good. That they sauce. They hand bread them. The dipping sauce. Made homemade daily. Every now and canes. then, I'll take all of the stale food I have in the house. Just dunk it in there and dunk it in the cane sauce. Yeah, you're set. Boy, I don't know. Mm. You mentioned Arby's. Not a huge Arby's guy. I like Arby's. You know, you, you know like who? the meat? Surprises no. me. Uh, you I don't know, know. It just tastes It's not Lion's Choice. See, I, I'm i not a big Lion's Choice fan. Well, you're not from here, so. It's a good point. Neither are you. Prove it. Jamie's been here longer than I have on this earth. <laughs> That's true. true. <laughs> I've, been here. I've been in St. Louis since 1993. <laughs> I'm not a big Subway fan either anymore. I used to get Subway a lot, but that I like is... Uber better. You know what? I found out that Subway, the, oh, their geez. bread is a little weird. 
Yeah, apparently it's made of sponges or something. Hmm. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Don't want to get in any trouble. I'd there. throw a white castle in there too. Again, no. Have I mean, you been drinking or not? If you're ham sauced. No, I don't like that place at all. The sliders. The, 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 for me, it's the cheese fries and the chicken rings. Oh my. And it, maybe it's not a taste thing. Maybe it's how it makes my stomach feel after I'm done. Well, that's usually put, the whiskey. A lot of fast food places are like that. Nah, not like White Castle. Right. No, yeah. it is. I, yeah. I that. Okay. Hmm. I think we covered a lot of ground. Talked a little cards, talked a little blues. Well, talked the a little football. Text line said to stop asking Cardinal questions. So. Okay. That's fair. They don't want to hear about it. All right, we've got the gauntlet next, and uh, we have a regular. Not to the gauntlet, first time gauntlet, but if you know James, deep voice James. Oh, sexy James. He's He he called us out. Not really. It's incredibly <laughs> nice. But he wa- he called attention to he wanted He wanted to play in the gauntlet. So James in the gauntlet next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. And we always hear this next gentleman on our mic drops. And we always we always call him uh, Sexy Voice James because that's exactly what he sounds like. He sounds like a sexy voice. Um, he's always great to us on Twitter as well. He participates in the show. And it's James. James is going to play the gauntlet first time. What's up, James? How are we doing, Stalter? Doing great, man. Welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. James, what you you do a little radio yourself, right? That I do. What uh, what radio station? So we are in a small small town of Henderson, Kentucky, WSON here in town. All right, good stuff. Yeah, so I, I, I yeah used to and we actually we used to be an ESPN affiliate. Um, so yeah, it's a kind of a a wide variety of everything. Excellent. Well, James, again, we uh, we love having you on. Now, yesterday when you reached out to us on Twitter, you said you're going to take me on. Are you playing mind games or you want me? No, I'm coming for you. All right, sounds good. Good right, luck, Anthony. James. Sounds serious today. Thank you. All right, Anthony's going to make his way to the cone of silence, James. And uh, while he's doing that, we'll remind you that uh, each question's worth two points. If you use the options and get the answer correctly, it's only worth one point. And of course, you get it wrong. Well, you just get it wrong. You get no points. James, it's time for you to tell Marshy to spin the wheel. Hi, Marshy. Spin the wheel. All right, James, you've been listening for a long time now. What category do you absolutely not want? I'm kind of scared of random because I'm worried about soccer questions. Otherwise, I'm good. Okay, well, you're in a bit of a gauntlet here because you got football against the football guy. Okay. Yeah. Anthony's been getting hockey for, oh, I think 80% of the time. <laughs> so he's going to be pretty happy, although I will mess with him again and start a hockey question. Just watch him panic. All right, James, the category Alrighty. football. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Let's go. Question number one. Who is the last team the Tennessee Titans played in the playoffs? Oh, goodness. Um... Let's see here. Uh, 
I'm going to go uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Final. Okay, thank you. Question number two, James. The Bengals have been to three Super Bowls, but have never won one. In their first two Super Bowl appearances, who beat them? The uh, San Francisco 49ers. Final. All right. Question number three. Which team scored the most points in the XFL last season? Oh, geez. Um... Oh, my. Uh, Let's go with the uh, D.C. Defenders. Final. Question number four. Deion Sanders is the head coach of which college football program? The University of Colorado Buffaloes. Final. Or program, (sighs) as some say. All right. No options used on that one. Wow. All right. Let's bring Anthony in here from the, the Kona Silence. James, how are you feeling after that, buddy? Actually, I feel pretty good. You feel pretty good? I'm being honest with you, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, our guy Anthony's coming in here. He, By the way, James, Anthony came to the office today with a little bit of a piss-poor attitude, so I'm expecting him to uh, be focused for this gauntlet. I wouldn't expect nothing less. Yeah. Oh, hi, Anthony. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) James, you're hilarious. Uh, I'm actually nervous. Our guy James, he knows his stuff. In all in all sports. Mm-hmm. Well, Anthony, you better pack a lunch. Yeah, right. Maybe two. Question. Maybe three. Question number one. Who was the Philadelphia Flyers' first draft choice in 1991? No, you're joking. You're joking. What's my category? You want the options? That's not it. It's a pretty monumental draft get out of here. Probably Jeremy Roenick. Is that your final answer? Well, what's my real question? Okay, give me the options then. Jeremy Roenick, Eric Lindros, or Rod Brendamore? Jeremy Roenick. All right, your category is Thank football. you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. Was it? <laughs> no, it's okay. Eric Lindros. Right. That makes sense. All right. Now, question number one, Anthony. <laughs> Who is the last team the Tennessee Titans played in the playoffs? I just sound like Jim Mora. In the playoffs. The last team the Tennessee Titans played in the playoffs. That was they hosted the game and they were the number one seed and they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals at home when Evan McPherson hit like a 50-some-odd yarder. The Bengals. Final answer. Question number two. The Bengals have been to three Super Bowls, but have never won one. In their first two Super Bowl appearances, who beat them? 49ers. Final answer. Question number three. Which team scored the most points in the XFL this season? Uh... I want to say D.C., but I I doubt they scored more than... Seattle, who edged out the Battle Hawks when it came to point differential. So I'm going to go with Seattle. Seattle Sea Dragons. Final answer. Question number four. Deion Sanders is the head coach of which college football program? Colorado Buffaloes. Final answer. All right. Let's go over it. Let's start. Uh, let's start at the top. Why not? 
Who is the last team the Tennessee Titans played in the playoffs? James, you said the Bengals. Anthony, you said the Bengals. Answer is? It is the Cincinnati Bengals. Neither of you needed the option. Nice, James. 2-2 two, two after one. Let's go to question two. Stay hot here. The Bengals have been to three Super Bowls, but have never won one. In their first two Super Bowl appearances, which team beat them? James, you said the San Francisco 49ers. Anthony, you also said the San Francisco 49ers. The answer is... The answer is none other than Anthony's San Francisco 49ers. Neither of you needed the options. 4-4 after two. Let's go to question four. Deion Sanders is the head coach of which college football program? James, you said the University of Colorado Buffaloes. Anthony, you said the University of Colorado Buffaloes. Answer is? The University of Colorado Buffaloes. Neither of you needed the options. This is going to come out of the XFL one. We're coming. Yeah. Question number three. Uh Uh-oh. Which team scored scored the most points in the XFL last season? Anthony, you said Seattle. James, you said DC. Ah. Without the options. Mm. Mm. I think you got me, James. Should have won with the gut. James. Anthony, you should have gone with the analytics. You have chosen (laughs) wisely. Nice job, James. Well done. I got you, man. Nice job. James wins eight to six. That was a shootout. Yeah. Anthony, do you regret not taking the options? Now that I know the answer, absolutely there, John Denton. Well, it wouldn't have mattered anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, ricochet. John Denton just swerved. I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry. On his way to the ballpark right now, he just swerved. He's like, why did I get a John pain? I just, you know. Wow. Now that I know the answers, yes. Yes, Jamie. I wish I went D.C. What what have you been told before about... Go with the first. Go with the first gut. Ignore the analytics. Go with... Your your gut feel. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Anthony. I just went Jose Altuve on you. You did, man. That was impressive. You swept swept the board eight points. Hey, that's no shame in losing somebody that uh, that racked up eight. Well done today. So you'll be back tomorrow. The last one had me scared. Which one? The XFL question. Oh, it had me yeah. scared for a second when you went to Seattle. Ah, I, th- I knew they scored a lot of points. Should have won with the should have won with the, the DC defenders, though. Obviously, mm. Jamie. Nice <laughs> job, James. Congratulations. Uh, we love you, man. You're always so kind to us on social media and and uh, helping us out on the mic drops and things like that. So looking forward to talking to you tomorrow. Yeah, ribs. You're next. Oh, oh baby, James is ready to go. Oh, He's like locked it. and loaded. I like it. All right, James. We'll Let's talk go. to you. Sounds good. See ya. He's a, he's a good guy. Real good guy. Stupid Seattle. I didn't even... I I wouldn't have even said Seattle. They weren't even an option. <laughs> oh, really? No. <laughs> okay. They scored a bunch of points. Did they? Yes. Really? The Jim Jones offense. Josh Gordon. Eh, they scored more than the Battle It Hawks. was the Nooch. The Nooch led them. The Nooch? Yeah. He was great. Not better than, you know, Jordan Tiamu and the... Guys, no. all right. It's a fast line on 101 ESPN. We uh, we listened to the opening drive earlier today, and they threw a bunch of crap around, and then uh, you know, 
basically rattled our cages, so we're going to take their souls next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> we're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So a couple of days ago, we had the conversation about whether or not anybody really knows what analytics are. And we and it feels like, Jamie, that everybody is just throwing the blanket statements around with analytics. That's because they don't understand what they're actually hearing and reading and seeing. Which is why I thought, Jamie, that you and I provided some insights with that. Mm-hmm. Jamie, you're, you're a coach. You have your own You have your own hockey company. You were a GM at one point. You played? Mm-hmm. Like, what are analytics? Because it's just this broad term now. We hate it. We hate analytics. They don't do anything. They're ruining the game, right? Well, uh, we played some... Or actually, I just, I just mentioned, I think, the opening drive because they, they tend to bag on analytics and numbers and uh, math and uh, calculators and basically anything to do with numbers, period. Yeah. They hate Sesame Street, is what they said. I did hear they that. They hate the count. Oh, said yeah. he shouldn't be on Sesame Street anymore. They should they should evict him out of, out of Sesame Street, which mm-hmm. I thought was just incredibly harsh. How the hell are we supposed to know anything about numbers without the count? Uh, Marsh, well said. So, the opening drive I was listening today, I was dropping the kids off at uh, school, and I thought, you know, let's, let's hear what our guy Carrie and Randy and Brooke had to say about the Cardinals' loss. And all of a sudden, I heard this. Anthony Stalter, who I know is a good sports fan, is being drawn into this, oh, let's be a math fan by Jamie Rivers. I think sometimes we get hyper-focused on the little coat closet where a buddy with the glasses and the pocket protector sitting there telling us how we're going to play the game. Right. This is how we're going to play the game. No, that's not it at all. That individual provides your coaching staff, the baseball guys, with the numbers that can improve the situation, the player, the team, you name it. Mm-hmm. And then the coaches decipher what numbers are useful to the process that they're going through. And then the players who are are born into this analytics universe from high school on utilize the numbers in certain ways to get better. Okay. So that's what you said a couple of days ago. Yep. I don't see the problem in what I said. Well, but, uh, hmm. Randy disagreed. We have, in the last few weeks, we, we talked to Mike Matheny, who played a lot of winning baseball, and talked about how players, because of the camps and because of the early use of analytics, they're concerned about things that don't really aren't really a part of winning baseball. And if you talk to Jim Edmonds, if you talk to Mike Matheny, if you talk to Jason Isringhausen, there's all, uh, uh, among every single former Major League player that I've talked to, Brad Thompson, every single former Major League Baseball player that I've talked to, 100% of them, they really question whether or not the numbers are the best thing. Not that the numbers shouldn't be used as a tool, but Dave Roberts, Jamie says that, Coaches, it's not the nerds running it. Dave Roberts has a starting pitcher in the playoffs, and the media asks him about it, and he said, I'm not part of that decision. Mm. It is the numbers nerds and the pocket protectors guys that have never played the game that are making the decision. That's the problem. 
So Randy's confused with the actual uh, discussion is at this point. He's saying that I'm saying that the numbers guys aren't running it. No, that's not it at all. Randy's claiming that you shouldn't use any analytics. The analytic, don't use the analytics and gut feel and all this stuff. Well, I just happened to go looking, and Dave Roberts, uh, the individual that Randy's talking about in, in said moment, um, he had something to say about analytics. And Anthony, oddly enough, it sounds a lot like what I've been saying about analytics. Here's our guy, Dave Roberts. It's like that there's certain players that you can go with your gut with, and there's certain analytics, and, and you're putting it in a broad bucket and a wider bucket where the data, how much data, you know, so it, it's a really hard one to answer because I think that I've made mistakes going with my gut. Uh, I've made mistakes going with, with the data. And I think the thing is, is that with the information, it's kind of trying to get ahead of what's going to happen, which no one knows. And I think in baseball where when I played, let's say I was 6 or 12 off somebody, that doesn't mean the next 12 at bats I'm going to hit 500 against this player. But that's the mindset of the player. And so as a manager, you're trying to get and project what's going to be the next 12 at bats. Yeah, that was uh, Dave Roberts uh, describing um, the use of analytics as a manager. And it's up to him to decipher. And Anthony, in the open, when we played my audio that Randy didn't like, I said, it's information provided to the manager so that they can make an educated decision. Mm -hmm. So Dave Roberts, by the way, um, oh, he won a World Series not too long ago. I think it was two years ago, won a World Series. It was in the pandemic year. <clears throat> should, yeah. add, should add another You're one. You're right. The Dodgers have been unsuccessful yeah, they've for been terrible. a number of years. Yeah. So I, they would have won against Houston if they weren't banging on trash cans. I think that, yeah, you're right. I think what's getting missed here in all this is that I'm not saying that the numbers are not in the game, but analytics are what you make of them. There's The analytics are all around you. <clears throat> Randy loves to talk to Mark McGuire. And Mark McGuire is, uh, you know, it, we like to say, see ball, hit ball. Mm -hmm. Not true. Once he gets up to the batter's box, yeah, Mark McGuire is an, a massive talent. But you go and ask Mark McGuire about certain pitchers that he's faced in his career. Who gave you the most trouble? He'll bring up a name. What, what did he do to give you the most trouble? Well, he used to pitch me inside or he, the, the curveball down and away. Anthony, what do you call that? That's all information. That's information. Yes. That's all I'm saying. So the the whole like thing that I'm saying that numbers aren't run, aren't driving the game, that's not true. It's right. just simply not factual. Well, the other the other aspect here too is that and we'll get to Carrie 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 went after you today, Jamie. Well, I can't wait to hear this. Yeah, so we'll Quite we'll honestly. play we'll play Carrie's remarks cuz he he was he was furious with you. Well, Carrie's going to have a little something coming here because uh, he plays a sport well, there's an awful lot of analytics used. Before we get into that, though, I think again the thing that often gets overlooked is that it's 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 an evaluation tool. I think that when we start to talk about decisions in a game that are made, the the one the prime example was Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash saying that you know we removed Blake Snell out of the one World Series is the pandemic year. Against the Dodgers, we we removed him, and everybody thinks, well, that was the death nail. See, this proves that you can't use analytics during a game. Every team in every market uses analytics to some degree. Front offices use it to evaluate. 
it's kind of like, Jamie, a teacher taking in all of the work that a student has done throughout the course of the year to evaluate what sort of grade you're getting. It's not like, oh, you know what, I'll teach, and then I'll watch you guys, and then I'll figure it out from there. Yeah, you look like a good student. Okay, I'll give you an A. Yeah, you look like a C student. Uh, there we go. No, you you evaluate based on test scores, homework, all that stuff, right? It's it's no different. Let's play Carrie's remarks because, like I said, Carrie uh, Carrie got after you today, Jamie. And Carrie's my brother. I love, I love Carrie, Carrie too. So I'm interested to see this. I love Carrie, but I thought to myself, "Whew, Jamie is uh, Jamie's not gonna like this one." I, I was so just disheartened. I, I, I really was taken disappointed aback. in Anthony. Yeah. Not, no, <laughs> no, I am. And not even, yeah. not even <laughs> Anthony. You know, I, I get it. Anthony is he, he's he, a follower. He, I don't. Okay. I didn't say that. He's okay. that's my brother. You know, we look alike. Just he's a little lighter. He, people <laughs> Thank don't. You, we, we share a birthday a few days apart. But the fact that Jamie Rivers. A man after my own heart. A man that I think, when I look at pictures of Jamie with this free-flowing hair, he got the soul patch, he's got the goatee going, he's got a bunch of things when he was playing. I could only imagine that a 28-year-old Jamie Rivers, when a pocket nerd came and told him, you need to shoot the puck here because get the out of my face, man. Get out of my face. If you've never played the game, especially. Do you think you're telling me I am so disappointed in Jamie Rivers? I am. My heart hurts for you, man. You're telling me that you would let some person that never picked up a stick, never put on a pair of skates, a pocket protector, don't want any ink on his shirt. Mm -hmm. You're telling me you're going to let him tell you how to play the game of hockey? There is no way in hell. Oh, Carrie. Carrie, I'm so disappointed in all of that. For one, one, you can come at me anytime you want. I'm fine with that. No problem there. However, let's just dive into what Carrie said. 28-year-old Jamie Rivers, some guy coming at me. Yeah, it's called the video guy. And uh, by the way, Carrie, do you have special teams meetings? Do you have running backs meetings? Do you have video that you go over? Super Bowl champion, I guarantee that the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't just go out on the field and go, hey, you're the rock, I'm the paperclip, and I'm going to run a fly pattern over here. No, they didn't, Anthony. Odds are they had a scripted first quarter of how they were going to run the plays. Exactly. Why? How did they build that script of plays? Based off trends that they saw with Arizona. Probably something to do with Arizona lacking. Maybe they're not great at the run defense. The sweep to the right side, to the left side. Their cornerbacks can't keep up with the wide receivers because they're slower. Analytics. So when you come at Jamie Rivers at 28 years old and the video guy is showing me what other guys are doing on the power play and that they score you know, 17% of their goals from the one-timer in the slot, I'm probably going to go take away that guy in the slot. If that makes me a, if that disappoints Carrie, that I like to be informed and perform at a high level and be successful, then I just don't know even what to say anymore, Anthony. Because I know Carrie never touched the field once in his entire career, not knowing what he was supposed to do. Well said. So for that, I'm sorry. That you feel there that it way. is. Yep. Okay. There we go. All right. Here's Randy's closing remarks. And by the way, Randy called me a follower a couple of times there, <laughs> and and I, that really hurts my feelings. You guys know I joined a cult one time, one time, and it's followed me this entire time, and I'm really disappointed in that. I got I, out of it. We all make mistakes, Anthony. I got out of it. We all make mistakes. You have to rub it in my face. Hmm? 
Here's Randy's closing remarks. You don't hit him against that pitcher. I'm, I'm not saying that you completely go away from the numbers, which, by the way, people like Whitey Herzog and Tony Larusa had well before the analytics age. What I'm saying is, at the end of the day, you're man, the, you are a manager of people, and you yes. have to manage people and personalities and situations. So, all right, you do. I don't think Jamie, Jamie and I are refuting that. You do, but it's a combination to suggest that analytics are ruining the game or. Uh, certain aspects that you don't like about you know the launching or whatever it's ruining and it's ruining it it's not it's just part of it just like having a feel for the game is part of it and we can agree on that but Jamie what is what is the and you don't have to give me the the act the actual like specific statistic but what's the thing that Randy likes to throw out there about the Cardinals and their success and how many how many game how many days out that they've been you know out of the playoffs oh, yeah. over the last X amount <clears throat> yeah. of years. There's so only been like a handful of times where they haven't played meaningful baseball. Yeah. Uh, the Cardinals only going on gut field. Are they typically a, a highly analytical club? Well, even Tony LaRusso was very much into analytics, which is why he had Dave Duncan on board because it was kind of cutting edge at the time. Correct. So, so yes. let's so let's not cherry pick. Let's not cherry pick where, hey, the Cardinals have had all this success, uh, but analytics are the devil. So you can't the, you can't cherry pick which ones you want which which argument you want to make at uh, at the given time. I agree. I want to go back to one thing Randy said at the end of it because it goes back to the argument or not the the discussion we had yesterday. Play that, Marshy. You are a manager of people, and you yes. have to manage people and personalities and situations. So, which is exactly why certain players crave the analytics and others don't goes right back to where we started yesterday to where I said we need to recognize as a coaching staff which players crave which analytics and which ones respond to it and the ones who don't you have to find a way to trojan horse the analytics into old school thinking so that they're getting the information but they don't know that it's analytics right so yes Randy is correct it is about managing people there you have it you don't even know what a write off is <laughs> I think Randy called in, too, during that. He was upset. What's he mad maybe. at? Or maybe he wasn't. I don't know. I think he called in. Oh, I don't think Randy's mad. I think Randy loves this stuff. Randy knows. He knows. He gets it. Or now he will. <laughs> it's the Fast Line on 101 ESPN. How good can the Blues be heading into the season with the same group of defensemen? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Apparently, Randy was on hold that entire time. I feel bad now. What? Yeah. On hold for what? To chat with us, I guess. You and I were rolling. Oh. Marsh had wrote me a note that Randy was on hold, and I just well, I never a saw it. I apologize. And Marshy's doing a million things. Yeah, maybe he was trying to play the audio. He did, but there it is. Uh, still on hold. Do you think you wanted to apologize? Probably, knowing Randy's an upstanding person. and yeah, uh, he is. Class act, a total pro. He probably did. Randy. He probably wanted to apologize Randy's to us. Randy's great. I've known Randy for a really long time. No doubt. It's unfortunate that he has that take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'll grow, though. He'll grow from this. He will. Just like the Blues grew last night with uh, 
their selections. Yeah, they did. Got a bunch of players from Sweden. Do they do hockey better than anybody? Do they well, do that hockey better than anybody in Sweden? I don't know if they do it better than everybody, but they are really, really good at developing uh, young Furniture? Uh, yeah, and very difficult, uh, put it together yourself, furniture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In see. very massive stores. Where do you get that? At a big store? Uh, big furniture store? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. 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 And yeah. they even have, like, I would imagine you could buy, like, Swedish... Um, like foods and things inside of they that have store. pretty good fish, I hear. Yeah. All right. So D- Dvorsky, though, real quick, Dusty can... and Vorchek. What? It's weird that they took a defensive tackle from Oklahoma. <laughs> I didn't believe they the took Paul round. Dvorsky, former NHL referee, in the first. Crazy. Round. Yeah. Hmm. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Had Marsh not left, I would have just let let that. Let Marsh, that hang. Marsh is rattled right now. Marsh, what's going on? Talk to us. Do you remember we... Dusty Dvorak? No. Oklahoma Sooner? Chicago Bear for like sure. uh, an hour? Hmm. For an hour. Did some ESPN radio for an hour? Anything I can't say, I remember him. Okay. Uh, are, we con- are we considering Dvorsky a part of the Swedes, even though he's from Slovakia, but he's friends with the Swedes, plays in Sweden? Yeah, he, play- I mean, he plays so in Sweden. So here's what I understand to be Is true. Is that like Jamie being an American? No. No, it's actually, here's what I, I know to be the truth on this is uh, like Brady and Matthew Kachuk were born in Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. but they were raised and live in St. Louis. Right. So to my knowledge, Dvorsky was born in Slovakia, but then moved to Sweden and he's been in Sweden like ever since. So mm-hmm. he's Slovakian mm-hmm. by he's nationality, from, but yeah. you know, Swedish by hockey development. Let's there just put go. it that way. So basically you. Yeah, kind of, except he was a little younger than me. I was 18 when I came here. So you're an American. I'm and actually the Speedo not. proves that you have the United what? States mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. in your blood. Yeah, that's true. Tiger King, maybe. Yeah. Oh, wait, you he, have another Speedo. Well, he, yes, he did. He had the, he had the Speedo. Had the one with Ashley's the face. Ashley's face on. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah he had the, the, the oh, Tiger I, one. I am proud. To be living in the United States of America, I'll tell you that yeah. much. Was it was it tiger first? Was it leopard? Which cheetah? 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 Fastest uh, land animal, guys, is the cheetah. Really? It sure was. Yeah. You know what the fastest air animal is, right? In the air? Yeah. Or well, with wings? Yes. The Concord. No. What? What? Oh, you mean a bird? Yeah. Oh, isn't an ostrich pretty no. fast? Well, he's on, but, he's on the, but he's on the ground. That's the fastest right. land bird. Right. But yeah. I said with wings, though, and you had to clarify. Uh, okay. The, the What is the fastest one? I should know the fa- this, too. It's the fastest bird. It's the fast, fastest air. A bald eagle? Creature. Nope. No. You would think. A pterodactyl. Maybe at one time. <laughs> Maybe at one I time. I swear I saw one. <laughs> hey, I, Anthony, you, you but clear, not now. Anthony, you clear this up with me because you're the dino expert here, yeah. Doctor Grant. Sure. Did these dinosaurs have feathers? Well, see, that's uh, we don't know. We don't know. But a lot of paleontologists believe that the dinosaurs evolved eventually into birds. So yes. Mm. There, it is believed yeah, that, that the they had. The T Rex would have an awful hard time flying that big body with those little wheels. Doesn't mean. Doesn't well, mean not that the T Rex. Doesn't mean that they're all. They're all feather. They're all feathered dinosaurs. Wait, just okay? because they have feathers doesn't hey, mean they have like wings. Like the Velociraptor right? apparently had feathers, not wings. No, not wings. But right. eventually, 
The evolved in sure. birds. Anthony. Fastest bird. There's a pterodactyl. Yeah. Pterodon. A, a raptor. Mm-hmm. Would you it, say the Cardinals should pterodon? That was pretty good. <laughs> it was bad, but it was good. <laughs> it was bad. A pterodactyl. <laughs> yeah, this is important. Yeah. A raptor uh-huh. and a T-Rex all out for dinner. Yeah. Who picked up, Who pays the bill? Who pays the bill out of those three? Who's the, Actually, who doesn't pay the bill? Who's least likely to pay the bill? Oh, it's a pterodactyl. Why? He's going to fly right out of there. Can't, can't do anything about it. It's a good answer. It's not the right one. Okay. It's the T-Rex. Those little wee arms can't reach his wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the pterodactyl's got wings. Yeah, he can reach his wallet, though. <laughs> Fumbling around in there. We used to call guys out on the road. You got on the road, and all of a sudden, like the bill comes, and they, oh, I have oh, old T Rex over there. Can't quite reach his wallet. I've heard the alligator yeah. arms thing, but uh, the T Rex, that's a good one, Jamie. You're welcome. Yeah. But all you li- listeners, feel free to use that. Your kids will love it. Absolutely. What's the fastest bird? Come on, guys. The Peregrine Falcon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you tax go. Tax there you go. Thank you, Tax Line. <laughs> the Peregrine Falcon. The Atlanta Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in the Super Bowl that they're winning. Like, right. We're not playing four quarters. Okay, I don't think we got into our, say, our segment here. Why don't yeah, we do that blues. next? Let's yeah. go. Yeah. How, yeah. how good can the Blues be heading into the season with the same group of defensemen? You may have said, didn't you just tease that? I did. We'll actually talk about it next, maybe. I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. ESPN. We have your chance to score a pair of tickets to see El Monstero next Saturday night at uh, Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. It's July 8th. Tickets for El Monstero are on sale now, celebrating the 50th anniversary of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Here's your question. Most of you already know it because we threw it out there last segment. What's the fastest bird? Technically while diving. But uh, what's the fastest bird? If you have that correct answer, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you're the 101st texter with the correct answer, you're going to win those tickets to see El Monstero. And you get all the ticket details to find a bonus chance to register to win free tickets at 101ESPN.com or on your 101ESPN mobile app. Jamie, I thought you brought up some interesting points earlier when we were talking about Army, and he made some comments yesterday about how uh, the media, you know, criticizing the, the Blues defensive group. When it comes to this blues, this blues group of, of blue liners here, how how good can they be running back the same group if the, if that's what it winds up being? Well, there has to be some tweaks that happen along the way here, and maybe that's why they have a new voice back there, and maybe that's why they're going to uh, revisit systems and look to implement all this stuff early. And I really believe that this year the focus is tightening up defensively. Craig Berube, here's what, here's the thing with Chief is he lets players be as creative as they want to a certain extent. Like, depends on who the player is. And also, like, if you have the puck. Mm-hmm. He loves puck possession, doesn't like just giving the puck away. 
and you can get creative, but you just have to be responsible. That's all. Don't just mismanage the puck and throw it around and throw a backhand sauce pass through the middle of the ice while you have two other guys down low. It gets picked off, and it's a four-on-two the other way. All Chief wants is that you make a very well-thought-out play. And if you don't succeed, you work your butt off to get back on the defensive side of the puck and track back through the middle of the ice and look to regain possession. So when you talk about stylistically how this team has been under Craig Berube, it's been that way for the most part. Last year was an anomaly. Last year was just one of those years where you're like, what is going on? It just, for whatever reason, a lot of it was puck management throughout the year. Some of it was compete level, and some of it was defense. Now, was it solely the guys who play the defenseman position? No, it isn't. Craig Ruby talks about how the way you start, the, the their whole process starts on the forecheck. If you get in on the forecheck and you're successful at putting the other team on their heels, retaining puck possession, or even slowing them down a little bit, your defenseman can now gap up and condense the ice to where even if there's a turnover, it's quick to defend, quick to close out plays. When you don't establish your forecheck and teams can get out of their zone easy or quickly, your your defensemen are in transition at that point. They can't get all the way up the ice because if they do, there's going to be a breakaway or something behind them. Players mm-hmm. are going to just get behind them. So they have to hold back, creates a gap in the middle of the ice. And that's where teams created speed against the Blues last year because they couldn't get in on the forecheck uh, consistently enough because they couldn't keep puck possession down low for an extended period of time. Teams would make that one pass, boom, and out of the zone they go. So the defensemen now are on their heels. Now, did the defensemen play every situation the right way? Well, no. It, it, it just happens like that sometimes. The area where the Blues defensemen have to get better, 100%, is in the defensive zone, not vacating the front of the net. I don't know if this was systematically drawn up or not, or if players are just... It's all about taking away time and space now, and I feel like that sometimes jumps to the front of the line to where these guys just want to get to the player, get to the puck, take it away as fast as they can. But they're vacating areas behind them that teams were capitalizing on. They were leaving pockets uh, of ice in the middle of the defensive zone. Uh, the back door tap-in, totally uncovered because... They wanted to be in an offense for the opponent sometimes last it year. It did. It did, and it was unfortunate because your goaltender was making saves at times and then you're giving up the easy goals to where the goaltender had no, no chance at all, and you're losing games because of it. And it's it, it deflates a team when another when the other team scores something to, you deem to be a really easy goal. It really kind of deflates you as a hockey club. So where the defensive core can be better is maintaining net front presence, not vacating the net until you're sure that you have coverage back in that area, and then picking up sticks in front of the net and driving bodies out of the paint. Get away from the crease. Get away. Uh, you know, too many times last year, I saw Blues defensemen where their feet were in the crease. At any given moment, I, I tell my defensemen all the time, "Hey, listen, you're not the goalie. Get out of the get out of the crease. Because yeah. I want my goalie to be at the top of the paint, taking away angles, big in the net. He can't get to the top of the paint if you're in his you're way. Sitting in there. So get out of the crease." And that'll that'll help you, trust me. And then find a body in front. Like, 
so many ways to defend. So that's an area to where I think the defense can do a better job. And I think if you asked them right now today, if they were all sitting in here right now, they would agree because the video doesn't lie. So to a man, they had to go back this summer, get healthy, whatever was nagging them at any point last year, get healthy, and then maybe get back here a little early in the offseason, get with the new defensive coach, get with the coaching staff, find out what you're looking to do, and then get to work. Start becoming tighter defensively. Start becoming more of a, a defense first in your own zone. Don't need to be jumping up in the play or, or hoping to be a part of the offense. Let's manage the D zone first and then worry about creating offense. So I think for for this team overall, they have the personnel that can do it. Look at like if you look at the six defensemen predominantly that they have, they're NHL guys. Yeah. They played a lot of them are NHL guys for a long time. And three guys that you heavily invested in. Big time. And that have had success. So it's yeah. not like... Four, if you consider Letty. 100%. And so these guys have done it before, which leads me to believe they can do it again. You don't just forget how to play the game. And not one of them is old enough to be able, well, there was the drop-off. No, Nick Letty and Tori Krug skate as good as anybody on the ice. They do. And Justin Falk skates very well. And Colton Prego is one of the best skaters. So I, I'm not buying into they can't physically do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I think they can. So that's just part. It, it's a it's a matter of getting back to what they did well before, and then focusing more and taking a little more pride on competing in those areas and not losing those battles and not giving up easy goals for the opposition. If they can do that, I think things can turn around quite quickly. Couple in a stronger performance from your forwards on the defensive side. This Blues team the retool will be a lot faster if they can do those things. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Congratulations to Chrissy from Chesterfield. She won the tickets to see El Monstero uh, on July 8th. And the correct answer to our trivia question was the Peregrine Falcon. Peregrine Falcon, fastest bird. Mm-hmm. Again, technically. Cool looking bird, too. Technically while diving. It's a smaller bird, but it'll rip your bleeping face off. Yeah, they got that. They got the talons. The beak. Who do you think wins in a uh, in a fight, the uh, peregrine falcon or the cheetah? <laughs> Probably the falcon. Uh, I disagree. I think the falcon would dive bomb it a couple times, mm-hmm. but then the cat—they're pretty savvy animals, and they're pretty quick, so they can launch themselves quickly when they jump. I can see the cheetah timing that out to launch right up. And then once he gets a hold of that bird with those claws and mm. takes it to the ground, it's all over. Yeah, it's true. Who cares about the launch angle of the cheetah? It's not the launch angle, just launching, period. Mm. I don't care what angle. Well, there's got to be an angle well, but at it, some point. It, I mean, it's, it is physics. It's math. Correct. But I'm not worried about if it's a 10 degree, 45 degree, 90 sure. degree launch. I don't care about that. Now, what about the gut feel of the cheetah? Mm. Well, the cheetah uh, probably has a gut feeling that he's much bigger than the bird. And stronger. And hungry. And very hungry. Very hungry. And so what he's going to do is he's going to use past experiences with these birds. And uh, there'll be ways that he has succeeded before against these birds. Or he's failed. And now he's learned. And he'll combine it with the, mm, the launch angle. With the launch angle. I think the falcon might have the upper edge on the cheetah early on. And then once things start to escalate, then the cheetah then ends up taking out the falcon. Mm. And not because the cheetah 
is all that great, but it's because no. the Falcon did it to itself. The yeah. Falcon can only go so long until it ruins things for mm-hmm. itself. Right. Mm-hmm. You get to the fourth quarter of uh, of that fight. Fourth quarter. And uh, well, I just mean you know if it's uh, like an hour, to? like it's probably mm-hmm. an hour fight. You're talking about the last. Yeah. Hmm. You know. I don't know, maybe like last 15 minutes sure. of the fight, Yeah, give or take. If, I mean, the Falcons probably going to claw that cheetah's eyes out early, but For um, sure. then just falter after that, get tired, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds okay. Familiar. Ruin its career. Apparently the lineup, yep, the lineup is out. What? We'll play the lineup game next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time to play the lineup game here in the fast lane where it's 502. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Jamie, you and I. Well, the lineup game was uh, we left something to be desired Whoa. yesterday. I think today is a bounce back day for us. I don't know, man. There's a lot of uncertainty. A lot of uncertainty. So let's. You're talking about Arenado. Yeah. Do you think the team did bad yesterday because you guys did bad in the lineup game? No, because the li- well, the lineup actually was fine. Scored seven runs. Yeah. Or do you think it was because that kid went to the game without his girl with his girlfriend and Jordan Walker wasn't in the lineup? We told thanks him. For remi- thanks for reminding. Yeah. So we uh, so we, yes. we're talking about who to blame. Yeah. It's that guy. Maybe we should blame him. Yeah, I'm not even going to blame his girlfriend because his girlfriend has been very honest with her uh, ability to make the Cardinals lose. Mm-hmm. So that's on him for bringing bringing her into the game. I mean, it's just irresponsible all the way around. Time and place. Here's the question, Jamie, before we start. Is Arenado in the lineup? So here's another question I'm going to pose in what return. The hell? Yeah, I know. Question for a, a question. So Marshy and I were talking about this during one of the breaks, and you know the update was that Arenado's going to head out to the batting cages and see how it feels. Why don't you just take one of those games where you're just going to get him off his feet and make it today? Because you need to win every single but there's game times this year, from here on out. There's times this year where you needed a victory. Yeah, but you're 33 and 46 right now. Okay. And you have to win every Fine. game from here on out to do something. Okay. And you need that guy. We have to get him in the lineup. I understand. We've got to win tonight. Well. Who are you talking like right now? Rob Schneider and the water boy. Oh. Wake our ass up. we got to win tomorrow. They didn't have Arenado's injury scheduled in their lineup a week ago when they made the lineup up. Mm. That makes sense. All right, well. I think he's in the lineup. I think he's, he's in the DH. lineup, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. All right. So, we know he's not Who's leading Who's on the bump for the Astros? That would be J.P. France, who's a right-hander. Mm. J.P. France is All your right. starter tonight I don't think we have Houston to overthink Astros. this, right? Yeah, it's Donnybrook. Brendan Donovan, please. I mean, we established the rules yesterday, and you're already going back on the on the rules. What are you talking Show about? us Brendan Donovan. All I right, way to go, Donovan. And I said Brendan Donovan, please. Show us hmm. Brendan Donovan. All right, Marshy, fine. No, uh, Marshy's right. I no here. If we're going to set a precedent, we got to stick with it. Yep. Go ahead, Jamie. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, please. Yes. Joey. There we go. Show, show me us. Goldie. <laughs> there we go. Just talked about it in the two hole. <laughs> 
I love gold. Shut up, <laughs> Let's set the precedent. Completely forget. <laughs> two seconds later. Guys, it's, it's head trauma's real, okay? It's not funny, Played a long Anthony. time. It's not funny, Anthony. Played a long time in the league. Okay. Where are you? Um, <laughs> uh, does he go back to Newt here? Oh. I don't He know. seemingly likes Newt in this spot. I'm going to say Newt. All right, go ahead. Show us the Newt. Oh, baby. Newt. All right. So this is the spot. I think he's in the lineup. I just think he's the DH. All right. Okay. Show us. No one Arenado. Can I say one more thing? Ooh. Albert Pujols, I love you, man. Nice. All right, five here. Big Willie style. Yeah, Big Willie. Contreras, show us. Wilson Contreras. That's right. Okay, he yeah, out yeah. Oh, he had a hit yesterday. He had a hit yesterday. Yeah, but did he play well? Ran in oh, the but he had out. a hit. No, he went 0 for 3. Oh, no, he didn't. Wow. How did he get on base then? He walked-ish. Says he went 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. Oh, he was part of that double steal. Yeah, he was part he of the double it. steal. Yeah. All right. Um, was Maybe it he error? was walked. Did he get walked? Wasn't walked either. Hit by pitch? Fielder's choice. Hmm. There's a lot go. of ways you can get on base without actually choice? getting the old FC. Yeah. Okay, choice. Contreras. All right, six. Anthony, who was it yesterday? I believe it was Gorman, but this has got to be walk it like it's hot. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Go ahead. Show us. Walk it like it's hot. Not, what? Not it. Walk it like I talk. talk it. Walk it like I talk. What a boomer. Walk it like I talk. Walk it. Walk it like I talk. Oh, I'm sorry. Am you I mean six drop for six it right like now? it's hot? Yeah. yeah, but his name isn't Drop It. He's no. not, it's not Jordan Drop It, although well, in the outfield sometimes. Walk it like I talk. Yeah. Walk it. Not, not walk it like I drop it. I'm not. I wasn't saying that I was citing the song, Jamie. Yeah, you were. I'm you saying were. walk it like it's hot. I combine the two things. Said to drop it like it's and, hot. And it was yeah, a mistake. walk it like it's hot. It was a mess. It's, it's for fine. old people. Old people are tend to walk more than they drop it. Hmm. All right. <laughs> I would hope. Uh, seven. Anthony. <laughs> go, I don't know. I'm a little Gorman? lost now. Uh, yes. Storm and Gorman. Show us him at number seven. Storm and Gorman. He's taking the league by storm. All right. DeYoung. Forever DeYoung? Forever DeYoung. You need a shortstop. If yeah. Ar if Arnado's DH, Contreras catching. Tommy Edmond goes back to center field. Yes. All right, so I think this is... Uh, mm. I think it's DeYoung. All right, go ahead. Show us Paul DeYoung. The king is gone. All right. All right, now does... Does he get... Uh, Tommy Edmond off his feet because he gave. He just got him off his feet two games ago. Did he? Yeah. Okay, then Tommy Edmond. Show us Tommy. Show Edmund. us Tommy boy. Yeah. All right, run it, Marsh. Leading off second baseman Brendan Donovan batting second. First baseman Paul Goldschmidt batting third at right in right field. Lars Newtbar cleanup hitter. The DH. Nolan Arenado. Nice batting fifth. Catcher Wilson Contreras, 
Batting sixth, walk it like it's hot, Jordan Walker in left field. Batting seventh, third baseman, Nolan Gorman. Batting eighth, the shark stop, Paul DeYoung. And batting ninth in center field, Tommy Edmond. I don't believe what I just saw. Home run. All right, Marsh, update those standings, kid. Yeah, Anthony, you actually tied Jamie with four as you correctly predicted Nolan Arenado hitting a home run. First, at least. Jamie, you said your guy hit a home run too, right? No. Or were you lying? No, I didn't no, say he said, no. He said, uh, I said Donnie hit. got a hit. Yeah, got yeah. a hit. I said, yeah. he, hey, how about this? I said he would get a late inning home run, Brendan Donovan, and he did. He just wasn't first. So, Mars, you're at one? Yeah. Okay. All right, Jamie, who do you got? Well, we have a question here. Somebody says, where was the Tommy Boy clip? We have, if you missed it, we've stated that from now on, you know, the motto is supposed to be, if you hit, you play. Mm-hmm. Well, our motto here in the fast lane with the lineup game is if you hit, we'll play your song. Yeah. If you don't hit, you get silence. No soup for you. Nothing. Yeah. All right. So who, who did I, who'd you pick, Anthony? Uh, I said I picked you to go first. Oh, wow. Okay. Um. Wow. Well, Newt didn't do it for me yesterday. I think it's Nolan Gorman today. That's low in the lineup, but I still think he's going to, he'll be the guy. All right, Marsh, can you please give me R.L. Chalk, please? I'll take Paul Goldschmidt to hit if Ding Dong Johnson again tonight. Oh, boy. Who am I going to go with? I think I'm going to go with Tommy Edmond tonight. Wow. wow. Okay. <laughs> boy. Okay. We're just wasting guy. picks now, huh? Yep. What? Charity. Jeez. You, you can write off that pick. Send it to your accountant. Boy, that was oh, rough. wow. I, oh, Charity. Wow. I can't wait to use this piece of audio tomorrow. Man. I mean, Marsh, are we trying? I know you're struggling here, but are we even trying? Jeez. <laughs> Who do you want me to pick? Well, no. You no, want just me to pick the guy at the bad back? I just want you to try. You, know. you want me to pick the guy who hasn't been doing all that well lately? Which I could pick, I could pick, pick Jordan one. Walker. We're not talking about the pitching staff. Easy. That's not strikeouts. I can't. I, I I gotta stay away from Paul DeYoung. I gotta let him just do his thing. You know, I don't want to jinx him. Yeah, good call. You know, Jordan Walker again. Hit streak. I don't want to mess with that. All right. I picked Donnie yesterday. He doesn't hit two home runs in a row. Tommy Edmonds, that guy tonight. What's Donovan up to now? What's he up to? Yeah, how many home About runs? About five foot eleven, six feet. No, he's Talk at eight home runs right now. All right, seven more, and Jamie owes me a million dollars. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. What nodded everywhere? Did last night tell us about the windows? Tissue, please. Jamie, you had talked about the windows for the Blues. One year window, three year window, five year window. What did the all Swedish team selections, uh, what did it tell us about the, the windows for the Blues? It's next on 101 ESPN. We're all around us. We're right back to the Fast Lane podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers was talking about the last couple of days the windows that the, the Blues or any front office is going to be thinking about. But for Doug Armstrong, got a one-year window, got a three-year window, got a five-year window. I was thinking about maybe uh, also the Blues' preferred window, which is Window World. Mm. Look them up at windowworld.com. There you go. I'm going to weave in that spot there. Oh, what are you talking about? Uh, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was ready for it. Selecting. Marcy's brother works there. He does. <laughs> he does. We're covering all the bases yeah. here. Go ahead, Anthony. It's a family <clears throat> affair. This is a family show. It certainly is. Is it? Yeah. We were just talking about dinosaurs. And you learned something today. Mm-hmm. You sure did. About birds. Mm-hmm. What they could do. Anyways. Uh, Jamie, uh-huh. what did selecting the all-Swedish national team last night uh, tell us about the the windows for the Blues? Well, I don't know if selecting the Swedish national team says anything about the Blues window. I think it's more focused on the players, not where they're from. Anthony. Oh. Um, but okay. I like what you did there, okay? Hmm. Uh, here, here's what I would say about the Blues window. It was, I mean, it was shut hard last year at the end of the year to where you're like woof are they going to have to tear it all down are they going to have to get rid of everything and somehow some way I shouldn't say somehow some way but Doug Armstrong changed the way we think or the way we thought and it all started with his press conference this is why I go back to that all the time and the press conference has nothing to do with the acquisitions he's been able to make and the draft picks and all that stuff The press conference has to do with setting a plan in motion, letting your fan base know, and then guess what? Army's held accountable at that point. When you divulge the plan and everybody knows what the plan is, all eyeballs are on you at that point. And Army has made some savvy friggin' decisions, man. Really savvy. Picking up Kasperi Kapanen, picking up Jacob Verana, Mm Those were great acquisitions. And then how about flipping Vladimir Tarasenko for Sammy Blay 2.0, by the way. Sammy Blay 2.0 has decided he's going to score goals again. I'm excited to see what Sammy Blay is next year. He went to the World Championships, had a bunch of goals there, won a gold medal. Who who had Sammy Blay on the Canadian national team winning a gold medal at the World Championships on their bingo card? Rocchio. No, nobody did. There's no way. You wouldn't, because he blew out his ACL, and you're like, ah, this guy, his whole season was ruined, and then the Rangers didn't play him. He got here, and you thought to yourself, if nothing else, we got ourselves a guy that'll hit, play physical. All of a sudden, he's getting points left and right, playing on the power play. So great for Army to bring back a known commodity that had improved himself, along with opportunity. Fast forward into the season or the off season here. Kevin Hayes, great acquisition. You got a, you know, arguably a first or second line center, probably more like a second line center on on competitive teams, for half the price of what he was. Mm-hmm. And you gave up, you didn't give up nothing, but you gave up nothing for him. And now you had the luxury of picking tenth. So, this is where the rebuild retool picks up speed. Is you didn't have a good season last year, so that afforded you the chance to get a high draft pick. But what you did was you already filled in some of those voids with current NHL players, Kapanen and Verana, and then Kevin Hayes. So now that's three guys. That's a whole line 
for your your top forward group. Right. And Sammy Blay, that's fourth player. Now you have the luxury of picking players that you know can help you down the road. You also have Jimmy Snuggerud, who's waiting patiently in the wings here, probably a year away. Zachary Bolduc, probably a year away. Jake Neighbors, it's showtime. We saw what he could do at the end of last year. You've got some really good young pieces ready to go, and you've brought in some NHL-established talent. This rebuild has gone a lot faster than anticipated. So the window, get back to the window of all this thing. I don't even want to really talk about a championship window. Not because I don't think the Blues can get there. It's still so premature. Two years. Three. About three. (laughs) In about three years, I think the Blues are in the conversation to being in conference finals. Hmm. I think they can get there. Now, look, there's a lot of things that have to happen. Your goaltending has to stay consistent. Um, Have you touched your blue line? Have you upgraded? Has one of these young guys... You know, decided to to jump in and and be an elite player. Scott Perunovich is he now like the the Kale McCarr, the power play magician out there? Maybe he is. If that's the case, then that that's a really a great thing. So it's tough to always put a time stamp on as far as a championship. This team will be competitive for a playoff spot next year, and the years following, they'll be more competitive to win and go deeper in the playoffs. So in the next three to four years, I would anticipate that you expect the Blues to be in a conversation of one of the best teams in the Western Conference. This is why Mo needs to use this deadline to retool. What you just described with Doug Armstrong, when did that start, Jamie? When did this whole retool start? Well, his declaration of the retool started about halfway through the season. Bingo. Now, did he sit on the assets that he had at the deadline last year, or did he get something in return that was going to help him in the future? Well, he got rid of all of the pending free agents, and he got pieces that would either improve his draft position Mm -hmm. or give him current players or you know, guys that could help out. And then rolled the dice on guys like Verona uh-huh. and Casper Ka- and Good young talent, though. Rolling the dice on young talent. Exactly. Young-ish. This is what Mo has to do now. Mo has to use this trade deadline the same way that Doug Armstrong did a year ago at his deadline. He's got to recognize that he does not have a good team. He did not put to, put a good team together. He put a talented team together, but he didn't put a team together. He has a collection of talent. That's what he has. So now he has to use some of that talent to trade off to make sure he's in a good spot for next year. You called you called it a rebuild for the Blues, and I know we're probably splitting hairs here, but I don't think it's a rebuild. No, I think it's a retool. retool slash rebuild. I mean, you're changing. You're, you've changed the look of your team substantially. But he's doing it on the fly. He is. So now, in fairness to John Mosellock, are the Cardinals at the halfway point yet of the season? The, to me. They're at their halfway point. Okay. So Army, when he had this press conference, still didn't do anything. He didn't do anything, but he he didn't. He could have. He could have started trading off pieces. But that wouldn't have been smart. Correct. So this is why I'm focusing back on John Mosellock, is right now is probably not the time to be looking to deal players and trying to build your roster. It's got to it's got to creep closer to the deadline, which Army did. So what I'm trying to say is let's give Mo an opportunity here. Maybe he does come out swinging like Army did. 
Maybe he doesn't. If he doesn't, then we know exactly how we feel about it. What did Army do, though, in the month, in the week slash month leading up to the deadline? He recognized what who needed to go. Oh, yeah. He recognized. <clears throat> yeah, but he didn't he may tell not, us. He may not have he known. He didn't tell the public. He well, didn't say, by the way, O'Reilly, Barbashev, Tarasenko, these guys are all as good as gone. But he may not have known, too, that the Rangers would have been interested in Vladimir Tarasenko. Or the Maple Leafs were going to be interested in o- O'Reilly and Nolachari. Or the Vegas Golden Knights were interested in Ivan Barbashev. He may not have known which players were going to go to what spots or even what he was going to get in return. But he had an idea. Mm-hmm. He had an idea of what I need both. A, I need a combination of players and draft picks. I can't just do the draft pick thing. I need players too that are going to, and it's going to, I need guys right now too that are going to fill in, fill in the cracks. Why can't Mo do the same thing? Why can't Mo look well, at his roster? He well, he better. I understand. But you're acting as though it's a foregone conclusion that John Mozeliak has already screwed it up. I'm not. I'm just saying we gave him a tw- we gave him 24 hours the last time. I don't think he was listening to us. And he did not fulfill <laughs> that deadline. No, he didn't. This is this is another one. The trade deadline or or get out. Take your toaster abs and get out. What uh, how far away from the All-Star game is the trade deadline? Do we know that? It's a couple of weeks. <clears throat> Like afterwards, right? It's like two weeks. So if I'm John Mosellock and I'm the Cardinals, I'm using the all-star break as my my finish line. I'm not using the trade deadline. And what I mean by that is not necessarily making trades by the all-star game or by the all-star break, making decisions internally. So by the all-star break, I know who is on the board for us internally. Certainly not expressing that publicly or doing anything like that, but mm-hmm. now it gives me two weeks to start manning some phones and kicking the tires and seeing what the market's going to be. That way, when the trade deadline gets here and you have multiple pieces that you'd like to move, you're not overwhelmed with the amount of action that you've got for certain players. You're not overwhelmed with the moment. You already have a plan in place. I would assume that that's what the Cardinals do. But that's what I would do. I would use a, a mile marker that is two weeks to three weeks out in order to internally evaluate my team and internally create timeline of where I'd like to go with my roster so that by the time the deadline comes, I know what we're doing. And by certainly by the time the offseason comes, I know exactly what we have to add. Definitely. Agreed. And if anybody's calling and any team's calling like, hey, we got an outfield prospect, you hang up immediately. Uh, and you block the number. Yes. It's pitching or no sale. Yeah, I think I would do that too. I would just tell teams it's pitching Here's the or deal. Go chase yourself. Anything you want from my roster, quite honestly, anything is available. Yeah, talk to me. Pitching is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. If you're calling on Nolan Arenado, fine. It better be Shohei Otani that's coming back the other way. Damn just set, I'm just saying, right? Like, John Mozeliak can set the market here, and if everybody knows the Cardinals are going after pitching. And if you have pitchers, then, that you have an excess of, you go, okay, guess what? The Cardinals said they want pitching. I'm your Huckleberry. Mm. I want Tommy Edmond, or I want Dylan Carlson. Here's the pitch. Like, you know, then, what to come to the table with. No doubt. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stoltz. We've got the biggest question of the day next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
gotta hit baseballs. All of my successes depend on me. You ready to hit? The hits just keep on coming. And his first big league hit is a bullet up the middle. Time to play Beat the Streak in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stoltz. Our guy Oz is back for a, what, third straight day now? Marsh, he's got his two-game streak. He's got a two-game streak. Why don't you go ahead and update us on those standings? All right, Anthony, you have moved on. Your streak continues. I believe you're now at seven, which is pretty impressive. Seven's the number. Seven is the number. Jamie, you are at four. Oz is at two, and I'm at zero now. Alex Bregman did not get a base hit. Oh, I'm sorry about eh, that, man. Well, doesn't it stink, though? I picked someone on the other team. Yeah. They win 10 to yeah. seven. They score 10 runs. Not and my guy darn hit him. doesn't get one. I think he deserve it, quite honestly. That's tough. I don't like when anybody picks a hitter against the Cardinals. Yeah, I don't either. I'll take Kyle Tucker tonight. Kyle Tucker for my pick beat the streak. Jamie, who do you got? You disgust me. Thank you. Jose Altuve for me tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This will go well with our uh, biggest question of the day. Oz, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Who would you like to take? Goldschmidt. Okay. You're going to go with Goldie. Sounds good. Marsh. Yeah, I'm going to continue to pick the Astros uh, tonight. You guys are a bunch of... (laughs) We're we're a bunch of... What? I didn't hear that last part. Yeah, I said jerks. Ah. Wow. This is the second time I've ever picked an opposing team. You know what? Screw it. I'm going Lars Newtbar. Oh, you got peer pressure. There it is. Nice job, Oz. You talk Marsh into it. Really talk. I'm at zero, Anthony. I have nothing to lose. That's true. All right, Oz. Despite calling us a bunch of jerks, we still like you, man. We hope you're back tomorrow. Verbiage. Love you guys. All right. See you, buddy. Uh, You too. So I've got Kyle Tucker. Jamie took Jose Altuve. Oz has Goldie. And Marshy was peer pressured into taking Newt. There it is. There's your beat the streak. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. All right, gentlemen, this might feed into our. Oh, what just happened? Oh, that just dropped. What happened? What happened to our bed? Our music yeah, bed. That's what they call it, eh? Yeah, it's called All right, the so music Anthony bed. just finished up the biggest question of the, the day. Question of the day. It's time for the what fast lane. Biggest question of the day. Yes, we know. Anyways, like I was saying, this might play into our, our beat the streak and maybe why you two decided to go with the Houston Astros players and why uh, I was thinking about it. Uh, we get a question from Richard, and Richard wants to know, will the Cardinals respond Richard. with Wayno on the mound tonight? Respond to what? Just respond. Mm. From a text losing. <laughs> yeah, respond. Like on social media because he's oh, back on social media. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Anthony! Is he is? Jamie, you you did told us he is. He is. 
What was the question? Will they respond? Yeah, they yeah. are going to respond. Adam Wainwright's going to pitch his rear end off tonight. You know why? He's 13-1 and one with a 1-4-8 ERA and 22 career appearances, 16 starts against Houston. He's going to absolutely deal tonight. When was his last start against Houston? I don't know. Probably 2013. It doesn't matter, guys. No, it kind of does. It doesn't. He's 13-1. and one. The 148 ERA in 22 career. It's not like he's got two career appearances. He's got 22, including 16 starts. When was his last one? I don't know. I feel like that's relevant. While? It's been a minute. Mm. Go ahead, Jamie. I answered the question. The the first one. Yeah. Of course they're going to bounce back. Come on, it's the Cardinals, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what Jamie, this team is Jamie lacking. just sounded like that that drunk friend. <laughs> you're watching your you're all watching your favorite team together, and he's drunk, and every and everybody's just starting the, the hopes are starting to dip a little bit. And Jamie just went, Come on, guys. I mean, it's the Cardinals, right? They'll bounce back. Yeah. And um, he doesn't believe. I don't know what to say, guys. That's a tough question. It's got me painted right into a corner. It's really not. Did you hear the numbers I threw out? Yeah, BT. I heard those numbers. <laughs> Here's a better question. Do you think this team BT's shows... a national treasure. I'll take that compliment. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Do you, do you think this team shows uh, any gumption tonight? <clears throat> Define gumption in baseball. Like grit? Yeah, just like... Absolutely. Even if they don't win, at least just show that they're they're trying to you know make it an exciting game they're gonna win tonight i want adam wainwright to come out in the very first inning and just dot the first batter right on right on the that would wherever be, i don't be care good. the yeah. thigh the shoulder the yeah. ribs the back in between the numbers <laughs> a brawl starts and just stare yes. him down yeah 83 right in the middle of the back yeah and just yeah that'll leave a bit of a mark Maybe. Um, but just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point, Anthony. I like it. Wouldn't that be great? Uncle it, Charlie. It really would. Staring him down, daring him. Like, come on, let's go. What of it? There, no way the ump would have the gonads to throw him out right there. No. It's Adam Wainwright. No way. He's got 199 on the table tonight. Oh, he does, too. It's a big number. I don't think he activates his his Twitter account knowing that he's going to pitch bad. I think he activates the account knowing that he's got career numbers against the Astros and he shoves. I think five and a third, three runs allowed, five Ks, one walk. I mean, I like it. I like it, Anthony. if, If that's what you define shoving... And it would be, quite honestly, this year would be. Yeah, we're working on a, uh, what's it called in school? A curve? We're grading on a mm-hmm. curve. Yeah. Yep. So what happens if he doesn't shove? Where, where, where does he, does he, how does he respond? Yeah, we'll see him again in five days. You think they'll, you think they'll do that? I think they're going to do demote him. Yeah. They I'm just asking a question. Hey, Marsh, they don't have anybody else, man. They've got nobody. Hey, listen, here's my what thing. What about the piggyback thing that Jamie was talking about? The, the relievers are using your bullpen too much. <laughs> my God, those guys who can't barely throw anymore. Marsh, every Cardinals game is a piggyback right that's, now. Well, that's not far off. Except for when, when uh, Montgomery pit, pitches, that's it. 
So let me ask you guys a question when it comes to the Adam Wainwright situation. Okay. Not even a question, more of a statement. Is the Wayno, if he was the outlier and the rest of your rotation is firing and mm-hmm. Wayno's struggling, I could see a situation where Ollie might talk to him about bullpen or bringing in a sixth guy for the rotation and what if everybody was dealing yes i think he would just say wayno's a veteran he's gonna figure it out <sighs> yeah i guess you're right if everybody was dealing but this situation isn't good either though right now it's not good either where you you've only got one guy every so often that's dealing that's correct you got one good pitcher right now jordan yeah. montgomery i know yep all right. I was feeling good before, but man, Anthony, you really... I gave you the numbers. I know. You chose not to use them. You well, went with gut feel instead. I tried to go back and find his last start. And I couldn't find it, honestly. The computer against couldn't go back that far. <laughs> Been a while, probably. You picked Jose Altuve today. No. I did. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, Jamie did, yeah. Is he not you in looking at me. No, no, he is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Marsh has got something ready. Oh, the- one high and deep to left field, setting Donovan back at the wall. Gone home run. Turns a two-run deficit into an Astros lead. It's eight to five. There you go. Hopefully that doesn't happen tonight. Hopefully not. I mentioned the numbers, right? We win. I mean, it can happen as long as the Cardinals win. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what you miss? Criticisms. Yeah, streak here. Compliments. Next. I want to win ESPN. <laughs> Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything from today's show, you can download the podcast available at 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile app, all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Talked about the Blues drafting the Swedish national team last night. Nice job to the Blues. We broke it down from standpoint of who are these guys? When can they contribute? What's left now for Doug Armstrong can do uh, to do in the offseason? And Jamie talked a lot about the defense as uh, it should rebound and ways that it can rebound we also talked about the cardinals loss last night to the astros who's to blame we talked about ollie marmel getting a little pissy with the media and we also heard from mo who addressed the media before last night's game and now ahead of tonight's game we hear from our guy john foe zaylock so you know for the sake of time i don't want to necessarily re- repeat what I what I told the cat last night but <laughs> I mean Jamie I think you're on on the right track of, of what we're doing right so you know we do have these these different markers that that we're monitoring and you know we've got you know guys different people in the organization that are gonna look at these markers through a different prism so Gersh for example you know he's just looking at the markers on his desk because he likes color and you know he knows his role so but as we get more serious you know that's where 
a lot of these nuances come up of, you know, what do you do? And, you know, personally, when you look at the team, the way it's constructed now, this team won the Grapefruit League. So you have to ask, do, do you make a move? And, you know, that's where that fourth bucket comes. Sure, we can add a guy like Shohei Otani, and I, I will admit I do think he makes our team better, but we've got the best fans in baseball. We're selling a lot of tickets now. I don't know how much that changes if we bring on Shohei. So, you know, you have to look at it, too, from, from a business standpoint. And, you know, I think, you know, if we can just stay competitive through the end of the year, people are going to show up. And I mean, that's why I do what I do. And I think that's what we're going to probably end up just doing. So no trades. I mean, yeah, you heard it right from him. So there's a lot of that. That's pretty spot on. <laughs> Gersh with the markers. <laughs> Gersh has markers on his desk. That was horrible yet hilarious. They're the best fans of baseball, they're already showing up. How much will it change if they had Shohei? I mean, we can't add seats. That's very true. <laughs> nice job, John Foe, Zalock. All right, Marsh, what do we got for criticisms and compliments? Yeah, we uh, we have one from Swan. Great show today, guys. I really enjoyed the dinosaur talk again and the discussion on a cheetah versus a falcon. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Swan. Yeah, I thought we broke down. I mean, Jamie, your your thought process of the cheetah mm. and what you know the balance between the gut feel of the cheetah and some of the analytics that he would use to defeat the falcon i Mm -hmm. I thought was interesting i would say information analytics gets some people triggered that's true yeah yeah speaking of which uh, we talked a little bit about analytics today and you know mentioned the opening drive once or once or twice but from the 314 wow that was blanking awesome you had me and all all being capitalized my co-workers listening well thank you i mean the opening drive uh we expect your apology at any point tomorrow. I thought by now we'd have a written statement at least. Yeah. And we apologize to Randy, who apparently called in to apologize, but we left him on hold. We yeah, that was unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about, um, you know, different animal battles and, and whatnot. Uh, from the 636, I'm actually kind of here for these hypothetical animal battles. We don't plan on those. Yeah, I don't. Are they hypothetical? Or? Uh, yeah, I. Well, you never know. Well, they're all possible, but the battle that we're bringing up is hypothetical at that moment because yeah. we personally haven't seen it. Right. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. Very true. It's a tree that falls in the forest, Anthony. Uh, yeah. It's like the it's dinosaurs. It's on the ground for a reason, but we didn't see it fall. Yeah. Dinosaurs. We didn't see them, but we know they exist. Why? Fossils. And alligators. And birds. And the movies. And the movies. It's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, uh, Marsh. Yeah. If you uh, watch the Jurassic Park or the Jurassic World franchises, yeah. um, you may see the Velociraptor. That's yeah. not what they look like, Marsh. Really? They were more the size of a turkey. You mean that one smaller? One yeah. didn't have like blue on its face. The other one didn't have like a pink face. Maybe. We don't know about the uh, color scheme of the Velociraptor. But again. But we do know that humans could talk to them. Well, they have to make well, noises with their hands. The, the clickers, you have to you have to really beat the clicker fast, and the uh, raptor responds. Yeah, there's no humans back in the the, the dinosaur ages. No, there was cavemen. Well, hypothetically, no, we you don't, don't remember know. the cavemen. Well, they they weren't around then. Who the heck do you think? They never made it them? to the late Cretaceous. 
Crustaceous? No, late Cretaceous. You have no idea Anyways, what you just said. My, yes, I do. No, you don't. You there know what? Is, I, I believe Anthony. I think thank he does. Thank you. Oh, well, the, then you've been staltered, son. I have not. Not when it comes to dinosaurs. I haven't staltered you in a while, Jamie. Because you started to catch on. Yeah, and the last time you staltered me, I didn't appreciate it because you didn't even tell me how you were going to do it. <laughs> Sometimes it's better to get surprised. Not in this case. Anyways, it's not what velociraptors look like. It's good to know. Yeah. Uh, last one here from the 314. We ask Marmol to do his job better. Uh, then he gets questions like that. How about the media be better too? I think we took John Denton to task a couple of times today for that. Yeah, Ethan, you called him out. He's probably driving to the stadium. Yeah, you ricocheted him. He got a sharp pain in the back of his neck. Yeah, he, had he had no, had idea. no idea. what. He, something jumped up and bit him, and he didn't know yeah. what it was. Something bit me. Something bit me. It was a bullet, wasn't it? Never said. He never said. Never says. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he said never says. I know. I did that. <laughs> For Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll be back tomorrow at 2 o'clock. See ya! You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.